Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast, your weekly dose of news and insights into the world of video games peppered with hot takes and trash opinions. Today we're going to be giving you the lowdown on the latest in the storm that currently surrounds Activision Blizzard. We'll be talking about respawns pissing off of a whole bunch of Titanfall fans and we're going to take a look at THQ Nordic's 10th anniversary stream. Joining me today to discuss all these topics and more is a man whose gaming knowledge is only eclipsed by his love of K-pop and novel energy drinks. He may be one third of the Super Show, but he's full fat Jamie on well, Twitter. So go follow him. Good evening, hey, Jonesy. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We've also got a guest this week who needs no introduction, but I've written him one, so I'm going to give him it to it anyway. Um, a Twitch streamer with one eye firmly on the future, the Regent reviews the top dog of technology. It can only be Technovo's very own Steph. How you doing, mate? Yes, that was a great intro. That's the I best see- intro. That's, that's the best way anyone has ever introduced me ever. So I'm grateful for that. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really good. Do you know what? I wrote an intro because I was like, we're having a guest on, so I'm actually going to do it properly. And then I managed to bugger it up. So there you go. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. I'll give you props for it, Jonesy, but I'm, I, I'm a little bit miffed. Is K-pop really that big of a defining feature about me and my personality and what I bring to the table? Yes. No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Although but, there's one there's one band. There's one K pop band. I can't remember what they're called. We don't need to go specific. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, go figure. <laughs> now we can end that copy of conversation there. We don't need to go into why this one specific band with all the girls is uh um, <laughs> Well that's the only reason guys listen to K pop, right? Uh, Pretty much. It, it's like saying you read uh, Playboy for the articles, like you're only telling <laughs> half the truth. <laughs> I was trying to get something in Jamie's intro about how broad and lovable his smile is, but I couldn't quite fit it in. I couldn't figure out how to do it, like about making it sound oh, really it weird. Was, it was a very kind and thoughtful intro regards. And I'll give you props as well, whether it was intentional or not, for the whole storm around Blizzard kind of thing. I like it. Do, do you know what? Okay, so this week I've been, I've kind of fallen into a little um, hole on YouTube of watching videos about Eminem and people um, taking apart his lyrics and how many double entendres and triple entendres and like how deep his lyrics go. And I, I've always, I've been a fan of Eminem for like, since I was 15. So, you know, 20 odd years or something. Um, but I did not appreciate, especially in his later stuff, how he goes into stuff. So I have got a few double entendres, I can't even say that word, a few double entendres in my intro. And I don't know if you picked up on all of them. You probably didn't, but there was a couple uh... in there. So, um, I'd, I, do you know what? I'd have to listen to it again and break it down sort of line by line. And I don't know, maybe if we start like a rap breakdown analysis <laughs> podcast, that would be that would be interesting, wouldn't it? If someone had to sit through and watch all of our podcasts, you, know, you know, this means that next time that you have to do that again, but it has to rhyme, and preferably you can spit it old school. And I'd you have, have to buy to... an end, an M and Eminem NFT. Yeah. See the instrumental, the right yeah. instrumental has to be a $100,000 Eminem <laughs> NFT. Yeah. Hell yeah. That would be, uh, be interesting. Hey, if we get to the point where we can afford that, then we'll be doing all right. But, you know. Shout out to the patrons. <laughs> We're putting all your money into NFTs, baby. Keep pledging. <laughs> if, if only. All right. Okay. I have a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get right into the news. Um, so the Super Show podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and many other podcasting platforms. You can reach out to us on YouTube, in the comments, or on Twitter at Super Show Pod. Uh, the show goes, the show, sorry, also goes out on internet radio on Mondays at paisleyradio.com and repeats on Thursdays. So if you want to listen to us like old school radio style, um, you can head over to Paisley Radio. Um, you can also chat head, to us. Head over old school radio style and then head over to Paisley Radio. <laughs> yeah. Is there like a frequency? <laughs> Have you got like 104.9 Paisley Radio? Oh. Or is this like internet radio? No, it's internet. It's internet radio. The middle ground between 
FM radio and podcasts. <laughs> See, I I hope that they also have like an FM thing, and we just don't know about it. But I don't think they have. I think it's. Can, just we, can we reach out to Paul and ask about that? Is that expensive to start up to get your own radio frequency? I, my, I, so you can't do it. So my cool. grandpa, you can't do it. My grandpa, you know, for my whole childhood, he would sit in his shed that he had in the garden and do so. He had a radio in there, and he would just spend hours in there and he'd take a bottle of whiskey in there with him and he would just sit there like tuning in I don't know what he was tuning into and I he would thought, come back inside and beat his wife Oh, <laughs> he's definitely trying he... to tune into uh, military frequencies <laughs> the, <world. laughs> the funny the thing the is my, used to do it, isn't my, it? my grandparents are Scottish and so maybe Paisley Radio did come up one day while he was while he was tuning around <laughs> I thought you were going to say that your granddad was like a pirate radio guy and he had a, a transmitter oh, yeah. on his garden yeah, that'd be show. So sick. he worked at the fish counter at Sainsbury's and then died of a heart attack in his early 60s oh. what a life oh. There was still time to have a pirate radio, though. Yeah, I think you have to pay licensing fees and commercial fees to the people who ever owns the airwaves. You have to pay uh, them for the frequency. So whether Paisley Radio pays something, I don't know. We could do that thing, though, where you buy a boat, park it 20 miles off the coast, and then we can just transmit into the airwaves, and there's nothing they can do. There you go. Pirate radio, like Steph waters. said. Yeah. Literally pirate radio. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Pirate podcasts. Pirate podcasts. <laughs> so we beam it into the internet. Like the like in the Matrix when they used to beam their signal in yep. on the Nebuchadnezzar. It's a podcast exclusively available on the dark web. Early access still for patrons. Yeah, yeah, you still have to. It's a pirate radio, but you still have to pay for it. Yeah. Talking of paying for it, you can actually um, give us money if you would like to. Uh, over <laughs> Patreon. Talking of paying for it, oh yeah. Talking of paying. You got a story to tell us, Jonesy? <laughs> no, for as little as $2, uh, you can go onto our Discord server and you can chat to us direct for $5 and up patrons. Um, we do have some extra exclusive content uh, like the coveted Known Murderer podcast, if you haven't heard it yet. And you're a Patreon, get on there and hear it. We've also got some behind the scenes um, and some after dark podcasts if you want to hear us get a little bit more adult. Where's the Known Murderer podcast? Have you not heard it yet? Oh, mate. Am I missing? Am I missing? Have you got, you guys got another podcast? I'm missing out on. We've only made one so far. And we're waiting for Chris to come back to make the second one. This came out of, um, well, I can't, we were, I think it was an After Dark we were chatting about. Um, someone said, like, they, I think, no, come on, it's someone. Jamie referred to um, a celebrity as a known murderer. Like, he had, a, he said, you know, this celebrity, hold on, let me give them their title, known murderer. And so Matthew then we, Bro- Was it Matthew Broderick? It was Matthew Broderick. That rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually did a, a whole show based and talked about known murderer Matthew Broderick and the case and whether or not he is a known murderer or whether it was just a case of wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> All that. So if you want to find out if Matthew Broderick's actually a known murderer, maybe become a $5 patron and check it out. Oh, yeah. And um, Well, guys, all that uh, out of the way, should we talk about some new stuff? Yeah, mm. let's do it. Uh, so first up today, we're gonna. I thought we'd talk about um, Respawn because they did get in a little bit of... Um, hot water maybe is too much, um, but following on from the story we had last week when we were talking about the NVIDIA GeForce Now leak um, and a whole load of uh, game titles were released online, um, some games that we'd not even heard of, some games that haven't been announced. Of course, one of the games on that list that I think we were quite excited about was Titanfall 3. I know Chris would have been definitely excited about that. Um, so that prompted a whole bunch of fans Titanfall fans to um, reach out um, on a Respawn stream specifically and ask their content, uh, sorry, entertainment community coordinator Jason Garza about the possibility of a third game, um, which I have to give you his quote when he responded because I like I think this is such a 
terrible way to reply to fans of a game series that you're responsible for. Um, so when they asked if this game's coming, he said, or they said, what you know, Titanfall 3, is there any possibility? He said, yeah, it's a game with a lot of mechs. It's an old one back from when Xbox One first launched. Don't get your hopes up, man. I've said this before. We just don't have anything in the works. There's nothing there. We've got too many other games in the works right now. What do you think about that? It's pretty strong, right? Like, it's a bit of a, a slap in the face for anyone that's a long-time Titanfall fan or had invested any hope at all that there could be more uh, Titanfall in the future. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I think, if, especially when it's something that's said in a live stream and it was probably kind of off the cuff and obviously not prepared or PR'd at all. Like, I don't think it's like a an insulting kind of thing to say. And anyone that wears their Titanfall heart on their sleeve that much that they're insulted by it probably needs a bit of a reality check anyway. Um, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> yeah, like, Chris was probably weeping when he watched the stream. How dare was... you say that about Titanfall? <laughs> exactly. But also, like, the other thing I'll say, um, not to, you know, is that the idea that Respawn having too many other things in the works right now kind of tracks because keeping Apex Legends, you know, hot and fresh and... Uh, keeping the servers alive is probably a pretty uh, time-consuming job. And they're making another fucking Jedi game. So, you know, there's things going on at Respawn. I do like the idea that um, when he said this, it was actually more like, oh, yeah, it's a game with a lot of mechs. Like, oh, no, you know, don't get don't get me wrong, we've got a lot of things in the works. But when you read it, it's a lot more fun to read it like he was being a real arsehole. <laughs> he was just, like, calling them out and trying to be a smarmy little bastard. So it's more fun to assume that's how he meant it. Were you, were you a Titanfall uh, guy, Steph? I, I wasn't, actually. The I, I only realised Titanfall was a popular game when Chris spoke about it, because he loved it. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I just didn't give it a second thought when it first arrived. I mean, I've been a PC gamer anyway, so if it first arrived on console, it probably passed me by. But um, but yeah, I've never ever gone back to it. I've never felt the need to go back to a Titanfall game. I must. It was one of those that I originally, yeah, like wasn't into. But I'd see like I'd because I wasn't an Xbox guy, but I'd seen it and I was like, damn, that looks pretty sweet. Because we had Mech Warrior back in the day, and Mech Warrior mm-hmm. was a game that I always wanted to get into, and like the idea of mechs and stuff always seemed really cool. And I think Titanfall made that seem much more approachable. And then yeah, this this campaign in Titanfall Two was incredible. Like, I loved it. It was incredible. It was punchy. It was short. It had everything I wanted. The story was on point. I never really got into the multiplayer, but. I'm definitely someone who really enjoyed Titanfall 2, so I would love a Titanfall 3. Mm. But I, I don't think I'm going to get that salty about... No. You know, also, the, like, maybe they were being quite literal. Maybe he was being quite literal about it, that Titanfall is is done. Respawn want to focus on the future. That's that's the way I kind of took it. But then he could also, as you said, be, be a little bit jokey. Yeah, like, and he didn't he's, really he's know. Like, he was just it's like, not in the laugh. works, but you never know. Yeah. And then it's just like, I don't really want to say anything too much about it now because even when you look at like you guys talking about you know your personal and individual experiences in history with Titanfall as a series like completely tracks and makes sense in both cases because Titanfall 1 as we said was kind of this weird anomaly of like it was a console exclusive on Xbox so PlayStation fans were iced out it was very early on in the Xbox One's lifestyle or life cycle when it was still kind of finding its feet and it didn't have a campaign do you remember it did the thing of like mm-hmm. go into multiplayer matches and someone's going to be talking over the top of it. And that's your story. And then Titanfall 2 was a much better game with a campaign. And then EA sandwiched it, well, partly intentionally, part not, uh, one week between uh, Battlefield 1 
and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare on either side. So it was basically sent out to die. Um, and it's one of those weird things, isn't it, where like we get it a, not a lot nowadays with the rapture around remasters and remakes, which is that so many people very vocally support games that underperformed commercially, and right. sometimes publishers cave, and oftentimes it doesn't work. And one of them, I will just say before I finish my ramble, one of the most high-profile cases of that that I can remember that almost pivoted what the publisher thought entirely about certain projects happened to EA as well with Mirror's Edge, where people were crazy about Mirror's Edge. Everyone was like, I love Mirror's Edge. Look at me. I'm a Mirror's Edge fan. And they were like, okay, fine, yeah. A lot of people like Mirror's Edge. We'll make another Mirror's Edge game. And no one bought that Mirror's Edge game. <laughs> but the argument could be that the solution to that issue is making a better one um, yeah. than Catalyst was. But still, apparently, lots of people have said in the years since then that EA were hurt by, um, not like emotionally, I think financially <laughs> is the way that EA really uh, gauged that stuff. But um, they, yeah, that was, that was why they veered away from that stuff. I love the idea that they were like emotionally wounded by what the audience had done to them. And they're like, never again, yeah. those bitches. That robotic guy with the world's sharpest chin who used to present their press conferences just crying backstage because no one bought Catalyst. <laughs> That's it. It's funny you say about Mirror's Edge because that was a game that I loved. Like I was really into it, but it was definitely a moment in time. Like it was the it was the novelty of the first person aspect. It was like the idea of the parkour thing. Everything kind of worked when it came out, when it released, and I was really into it. But when they announced the sequel, I had no desire to go and pick that up. Like there was nothing that said that made me want to go and get Catalyst at all. Yeah. I never played Catalyst, but I played the first one. Yeah, again, so it was at a time where parkour was all over the internet, and everyone down your local high street were jumping over barriers. Yeah, it was a different type of parkour. <laughs> I want to see when, when did Mirror's Edge came out? 2007? Oh, it's, yeah, no, okay, that's perfect. So Mirror's Edge... I'll fact check that while you go. Uh, so Mirror's Edge must have been... Oh, in 2008, sort of, excuse me. 2000, so let me think, 2000... Uh, but I, it's still, yeah, no, totally tracked. So Mirror's Edge came out at a time when I actually bought some K-Swiss parkour trainers. <laughs> of course he did, Jack. Oh, yes. <laughs> they was, they, like, I had no intention of doing parkour, but they they came out of this specific, like, parkour-specific trainer. And they were sick. Like, I really liked them. I, so that's why I got them. It wasn't because I wanted to do parkour. I was like, oh, they're so cool. And also because parkour was really popular. The funny thing was, they were, like, slick-bottomed, if I remember rightly. Or like, or like sticky, like so they were like a sticky sole, like rubber thing. Um, oh, I suppose if you if you're landing on a on a metal pole, you're not going to want your legs kicking out from underneath you. I guess so. Like you may, maybe they had a bit of grip to them, but it was like a bit weird. But um, the thing was, I started working in London around that time, and I used to walk into work. And when it was all like wet, days, no, you parkour to work. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I was going to say that you saw some scaffolding just off Oxford Street. So yes, detour. <laughs> Never, never. But when it was wet, they wouldn't grip the the ground very well at all. So then they were like ice skating. Weird. Yeah, because like some parts of London just have all these weird like paving slabs that are super so like rough. But su- when they get wet, they're super slippery. And these, yeah. I just remember these trainers were kick ass. But I used to like I nearly fell on my ass a couple of times. Yeah. Knowing you, Jonesy, you probably traded them in for Heelys a year later. I never owned Heelys, unfortunately. That's okay. That's surprising. Did you own the shoes with like the divots in the middle so you could grind down rails while wearing the shoes? No, I want. What to. were they called, Steph? <laughs> what were they called? 
I can remember, but they sound uh, they sound much better than a pair of Heelys. They were they I were used to blade as well. They were called soap shoes. I think soap, soap, soap shoes. Yeah. I've never heard and of soap, soap shoes because soap the soap was the name of the brand, um, but it was kind of kind of like Heelys. They became synonymous Grind enough shoes. with the with what they were for that they like that became the term. And so yeah, they oh, were. I see. But they were specifically made for. Uh, it was during the late nineties where you know like skating and all that stuff was at its height. They created yeah. these shoes that had these like rail shaped divots in the middle that were made of this hard material, so it wouldn't damage the shoe itself. So you could like jump on a rail and grind down it on your <laughs> shoes, and people became like professional soapers and stuff like that. Wow, that can't be a thing. It, it reminds wicked. me. It it just feels like the. the the late teen adult alternative of skidding on your skidding, knee. Skidding, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> skidding, yeah. It's like when you're a kid, you skid on the whole, your, your school hall floor. Oh, that's great. When you get to mid-teens, you, you grind down rails it's on like, your It's a gateway drug. Shoes. <laughs> yeah. 80% of skidders go on to be soapers. Fact. <laughs> that, you know, I'm, I did want, did you remember remember those uh, stilts, like the springy stilts? <clears throat> oh, like yeah, um, Blade Runner, sort of like, uh, uh, what's his name? The South kind African, Oscar Pistorius, but with the legs. <clears throat> <laughs> but with legs, yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually saw someone once come out of work, strap themselves into their springy stilts and go running off down the road. And I just thought, <laughs> yeah, they're never catching on. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they looked cool on, like, online and stuff and on, on TV, but in real life... Little more of a pain in the ass. I think they end up using them quite a lot in films. Like I know um, the actor who played a lot of the characters in Pan's Labyrinth, for example, would wear them, and they do the prosthetics around them. So it was a, right. he's nine foot tall, and he's a weird shaped leg, like El Fauno really would. Yes, because the leg kind of goes backwards and then up to the knee and then forward. Yeah, that, yeah. And it makes it actually look better the way that it works. That if if no people out there, if you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. It is such a good movie. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. Have you not seen Pan's Labyrinth? <laughs> you know what? Oh, my goodness. Steph, I've got an alternative no. for you that I've been getting really into lately, and I thoroughly recommend it to not just you, but anyone listening, is yeah. uh, if there's a movie that you really should watch, or better yet, a movie that you really should re-watch, but you don't have the energy for it for whatever reason, go onto YouTube and just watch all the clips from the movie that you can find but do it for so long that you end up watching, spending more time watching all those clips when accumulated than the length of the movie itself, and you realise you're wasting your life away. <laughs> I don't know why I always end up doing but that. But then you're watching, the, you're, technically you're watching the best bits of a film, because why would anyone else clip anything else from a film? Yeah. So you're just watching the best bits and cutting out all the gump in the middle of a exactly. film. Like uh, fucking Casablanca, watch the clips on YouTube, read the Wikipedia <laughs> entry, you're golden. Another clams, another barns, another yeah. man. <laughs> exactly. Okay. My, when I was a kid, my mate used to fast forward through movies we'd watch together. Like, because he'd go, oh, this is rubbish. This bit's rubbish. So just, so I remember we watched Battle of Endor, or Battle for Endor, whatever it's called, with the little Ewoks and stuff. So it's like the Star Wars spin-off sh- film. Um, and he'd seen it, and I went to his house, and it was on the VHS there, so he's got the... And he just was would watch, like, a battle, and then he'd go, this bit's rubbish, and <laughs> he'd just fast forward, <laughs> and then there'd be another fight, and he'd play it, and he'd go, yeah, this bit's good. And then when, when me and my friends used to watch Aliens, the second one, Aliens, uh, we used to skip it up to the bit where the Marines kicked in, because <laughs> right. the, all the bit before that is just so bad. It's yeah. just not good. And as soon I, as those Marines as a hit... kid, yeah, it doesn't really... You don't really yeah. care, do you, about exposition? Really Same with um, Taxi Driver. Just skip the entire movie and then just watch the last 90 seconds when he actually starts to kill people. <laughs> yeah. False advertising. I thought the whole point was he crazy the whole time. And he is, but he doesn't kill anyone. 
This is true. So yeah, this is true. Because back in the day, you couldn't go online and watch a little bit. You had to yeah. like put the film in and actually or, watch. Actually, that reminds me, of, like what I did for my uh, film school project for like my dissertation. I recut Blade, so it was only the films where the only the scenes, excuse me, where Stephen Dorff has screen time. I'm a big Stephen Dorff fan, and uh, he was <laughs> probably the most underrated star of the '90s if you think about it. It's a very popular cut. I called it the I called it the Dorff cut. It was 16 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> what grade did you get for that? What theory did you pose to uh, to your lecturers? I was asked. To, I was asked to, asked to leave the college. Today. I don't, know, don't know what grade I got. So, sorry, Jamie. We don't. We're, we're not a fan of Stephen Dorff here. And I said, you know, what? I'm taking the Dorff cut to Hollywood. <laughs> the people need to wake it up. Was, it was titled Blade colon a Stephen Dorff story, and it was yeah. just 16 minutes long. You know, that was the novelization that I wrote about the experience of making the documentary ah, that was called. Blade, the making of Blade the Dwarf Cut. <laughs> wow, Stephen Dorf. Where, where, whatever happened to Stephen Dorf? Oh, hey, okay, I'm gonna have Steve to bring it back. So I, I haven't, I haven't told you the end of this respawn story yet. So let me bring it back before we uh, get too far down the Stephen Dorf rabbit hole. Um, you should uh, sell it as an NFT, Jamie. The oh, Dorf the Dwarf Cut. The Dwarf Cut. Well, should I just Whoa. create a page where, like, <laughs> I just. Uh, like I just every image of Stephen Dorff that's ever um, existed, I'll just get the NFT of it, and I'll become the sole <laughs> yeah. trader of Stephen Dorff-related <laughs> digital memorabilia. You could, and you could just call them. You can make uh, NFT coins and just call them Dorffs. Like yep. how many Dorffs? Dorff coin. Five Dorffs. Ten Dorffs. Hey. It's a growth industry. Um, but okay, so look, the last thing that um, Respawn had to say on this whole issue, um, in case you've forgotten... Oh yeah, Respawn, About, about Titanfall <laughs> 3 not being a thing. Um, there was a bit of outrage, as you can probably imagine, because um, a lot of Titanfall 3, or Titanfall stands, I should say, uh, weren't that impressed with the um, mocking way Jason sort of uh, summed up the old Titanfall saga. So they actually came out on their official Twitter and they said, Titanfall is the very core of our DNA. Who knows what the future holds? So do you know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to ask each of you your opinion. I think this is a case of the original thing from Jason Garza is the old, um, I think the lady does protest too much and they know full well that there is a Titanfall 3 in the works that was leaked by NVIDIA, but they didn't want it to be announced anytime soon so they're like if anyone mentions this just say it's not a thing like of course it's not a thing but then because of the backlash they've come out and said who knows what the future holds so i think it definitely is in the works in the in like maybe not not like being made yet but it's in the works as in it's, it's planned to happen at some point in the future Steph, I, what do you I think? think there's a pop i think there's a possibility that it'll be in the works but then i also think it's Respawn covering their tracks and thinking, please don't hate us, please don't hack the Apex Legends servers again and, and block out millions of players because we can't handle it or something like that. So, yeah, it might just be um, just calming down the, the Titanfall community, putting out yeah. fires as opposed to to teasing people with a new release. Yeah. Plus, like, putting out a teasy little statement like that only does good, right? It only builds excitement and anticipation. And, you know, if anyone gets too carried away, it's their only their, it's only their own fault, you know, for taking it and running with it. Um, but for Respawn, it's just like it's all positive, you know? Especially while, as currently we've been talking about, like Apex Legends is still in that universe. There's still kind of like a shared history between the two. One thing I will sure, say, yeah. though, Jonesy, is like, I feel like if there was something going on behind the scenes... Rather than it being something that they're planning, it's 
I feel like it's probably more something that they had like prepared for, where I think there are enough right. sort of like creative people, people who worked on the um, the either one of the first two games in some capacity, who like if you went into the respawn offices and got a certain number of heads together and said, "What are the ideas for Titanfall 3? They would know what the answer to that question is because it's probably hard not for them to spitball that stuff, and maybe even have had that conversation with EA at some point. But like, I don't know. You- you don't think there's a date on the cards for Titanfall 3, roughly speaking? No, well, I just think I think if you're EA and you're really committed to the Titanfall franchise and the future of Titanfall, then A, you don't send Titanfall 2 to its death by sandwiching it between the two biggest first-person shooters in the world. B, you don't give Respawn lots of other responsibilities to do, including now the marquee Star Wars franchise, which is still you know one of the biggest non-gaming IPs that you can work with. C, you don't also launch a separate product that is also a first-person shooter and has a far bigger sort of like audience capacity because it's a it's free to play that's set in the same universe. Again, I'm not suggesting that Apex Legends' existence would detract from Titanfall Three or vice versa, but I don't think you sort of like shift what you're doing with that world unless you're looking for new ideas that aren't Titanfall Three. And also, like, I don't know. I think I think the first-person shooter. This this one's more speculative and maybe more an opinion thing, but I think the the space for competitive first person shooters right now is a little bit odd. Where like there have been new entrants that have kind of like uh, paved their way and and found an audience and so on and so forth. But I think the battle royale situation um, confused things slightly. I think Call of Duty has had to go through some tough times and a lot of experimentation to ultimately end up making more or less the exact same product it always made. And I think EA are still continuing, as we've seen with Battlefield over the last half of the years, to show that they're still trying to figure out what that looks like for them. And I'm not, not suggesting Battlefield 2042 is going to be in any kind of trouble, but like Battlefield 2042 feels like a weird prospect. And the fact that it got delayed like that extra three weeks and the fact that it hasn't had any uh, public, even public closed alphas yet that you can access by pre-ordering or something like that, you know, when we're basically in October now, like... Oh, he's had, he's had one. That was completely closed, though, like NDA'd. Oh, yes. Yeah, what I mean yeah, is, yeah. like, like Call of Duty's out in the same time frame, and Call of Duty had all the NDA'd stuff, like, months ago, and has now yes. had, like, a closed alpha, then a closed beta for pre-orders, and now an open beta for everyone. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's something weird going on with Battlefield 2042, which, for a game that doesn't even have a campaign, which Titanfall 3... Uh, I'm, I'm drawing in a lot of influences here, but what I'm, I'm suggesting is, like... Even if EA were interested, I think now is a good time to pump the brakes and wait and see what happens over the next, maybe even a year or two, right? Yeah, probably longer than that, I suppose. Yeah. You know, see what happens to the Titanfall player count, see if Jedi Fallen Order 2 cements it as a franchise or maybe goes the other way. Like, Take your time. It's a rainy day game. It's yeah. a rainy day game. If, if Battlefield absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, uh, I don't know, flops and dies a horrible death within a year, they'll be thinking, oh no, we've lost so much money, what can we do? Titanfall 3. It's, always, it's funny, because um, Jamie, you're saying about Battlefield 2042 and the prospects, you know, what are the prospects for it, given it hasn't had, you know, closed alphas, blazers, whatever, for uh, um, people who have already purchased it. This In this day and age, though, those things always worry me now, because I'm like, the game's done. It's not changing. And when it goes into those... Um, Closed alphas, closed betas, open betas, etc., etc. Yeah. 
you know that the game is already finished. And if it's right. trash, if people come out of that going, yeah, it's not very good, but they might fix True. it by the time it gets released. I'm like, there is no fixing it. The game is done. It's polished. It's finished. That means that if that's true, then the reverse has to be true. And that means that if there's no public facing alphas or betas, that it's not finished. And that becomes increasingly worrying for a game that is scampering for extra release time to the tune of literally like two to three weeks. Like you can't fix a game in two to three weeks like that. No. Battlefield, I think it'll be fine, but I think it increasingly sounds like a game that's coming. It hasn't had the run-in that it's supposed to. I firmly believe that. That might mean it's fine in the end, but it hasn't had the run-in it's supposed to. But until they seal the deal by doing those releases, they're still it still has potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, like, even if they even if they delayed it, even if we got we got a week away, or, or not a week away, but if we got like three weeks away from the new release date and they said, look, we're really sorry, but we're pushing this by six months. I would be like, oh, there's still potential. There's something wrong with it, but there's potential for them to sort it out. As soon as they start pumping out those, you know, those um, experiences nowadays, it's like, nah, you're done. I- I've been so burned by the whole Marvel's Avengers thing and <laughs> other other situations that I'm like, nah, th- that game is is a is a known quantity. If you yeah. think anything's going to change between now and release, you are delusional. Um, but with that, I think we should um, talking delusion. I think we should mo- move on to a uh, comment of the week. Wow. Um, that's okay, a bit strong. Um, because we uh, last week sort of made a bit of a. Uh, it wasn't an idea. We had a we had a bit of a joke and said, "Wouldn't it be cool if uh, somebody maybe they listened to the podcast with their partner? Maybe you know that they wanted to um, do a fun way of proposing, and that they contacted us and said, hey, 'Hey, it'd be great if you could um, uh, help me propose to my other half.'" But somebody um, replied to that. Faki Afgari actually had a, a comment which made us all chuckle, so we thought we'd um, slide it in here, which says, just imagine someone actually made you guys do the proposal thing, and then next week you found a comment that she said no. So if you are delusional and your other half will definitely say no, please don't reach out to us and say, can you help us sort of help me pop the question? Because we do not want to be part of that of you feeling like crap so make sure your partner how would that how would that make you guys feel that's what i'm saying i don't want to be part of that it'd make me feel really bad i think i'd yeah i'd have to like try and make it up to them i don't know one one word steph content clip it and ship it baby (laughs) straight to the shorts straight to the short shelf (laughs) (laughs) jesus yeah just and they all just like clickbaity like titles and stuff yeah wait till the end he asked her to marry him. His it didn't go well. Wait till the end. Caps. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. It's time. It's this time of the podcast that we like to um, give a shout out to some of the people that managed to, you know, they go the extra mile. They keep the lights on. They keep us coming back. They keep the wheels turning. Um, and that is, of course, our Patreons who support us over at patreon.com forward slash super show. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to some of them right now. And they are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Jesper Camden Nilsson, Javela Cujo, Leo Merger, Lonnie Thompson, Magic Grits, Mindful Pig, Nathan Piers, part of the 0.24%, if you know, you know, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, Starfall Kid, Zach Cream, and the Big Dogs. It is Shellshock, Doppler, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, The Dude Abides, and twitch.tv forward slash peaswad, where I'm a shirtless fat man in a coconut bra. Um, thank you so much to all of uh, you guys for supporting us week on week it is truly appreciated and I for one can testify to the fact that Peaswood isn't I wouldn't say a fat man I would you know I would say a fine figured fellow in a coconut bra because um, I subscribed 
and he popped the shirt off and flushed the coconut bra <laughs> when I did. So oh, yeah. um, if he, you fancy um, seeing that. He, he hates port scratchings, by the way. Does he actually? Yeah, that, he that's, said, That's yeah. a fact. I sent, I sent him a, um, a box of British like snacks and treats um, for subscribing to my Twitch channel for a year. And uh, yeah, he said he absolutely hated Paul Scratchings. And Prawn Cocktail Crisps, he wasn't a fan of those either. Wow. Uh, well, like the Walker's Prawn Cocktail. Yeah. Or, um, okay. Walker's. Now, yeah, he said, he's saying that he didn't like the pork scratchings. So I thought he was talking about Percy Pigs at first because he was like those weird sort of jelly pork things. And I was like, what, Percy Pigs? He's oh. like, no, pork scratchings. And I was like, come on, man. Pork scratchings are fantastic. They're so yeah, salty. No, pork scratchings, <laughs> I agree with him. They're not good. But no, they are a British there's, state there's, there's snack. There's a point in the <laughs> night when you're however many pints in where the idea of the saltiness of a bag of pork scratchings is exactly <laughs> what you want. A pint of ale. Okay, right, let me paint the scene for our, our non-British um, or like, I guess, Irish, Scottish listeners or whatever. You're sitting in a British pub with a pint of ale and then someone walks over and puts on the table, this is always how it happens in where I am anyway, they like put like three packets of stuff down and then they split the whole packet open and put them in the middle of the table and everyone just dips in. And when there are some pork scratchings there and you've got a, a nice like, yeah, like cask or something and you just <clears throat> drinking that with some pork scratchings is epic. Dry yeah. roast peanuts, of course, another uh, yeah, salt I, and vinegar I would crisps. rather have a handful of dry roast peanuts yeah. than a pork scratching, I think. Some Brannigans. Yeah. All it's good stuff. Get really weird with it. It's all good stuff. And I guess w- while we're talking about the fact that uh, Peas would subscribe to the Technovo Twitch channel for an entire year, it's as good a time to any uh, as say that as much as we are on YouTube and people might be listening to us or watching us on there right now and they can subscribe and all that stuff. Steph, you've got um, your own stuff going on at Technovo. You're the YouTube channel, churning out I content have. and reviews and stuff all the time, right? Pretty much two videos a week we put out now. Most weeks, <laughs> there have been a couple of times where we've just thought, no. But we do try to stream three days a week as well, on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, yeah. 8 o'clock British time. And can I also just, uh, there's sort of a selfish plug, just say particularly, twitch.tv forward slash Technovo, the Thursday streams are usually, not always, depending on sort of mood and various other factors, but usually an F1 stream. And, that's um, Wednesday. Oh, that's Wednesday. Thursdays, Wednesday, the way we Wednesdays are F1 streams. Thursday's when we film this. My bad, I'm getting my days mixed up. Wednesday. And um, the reason itself is because I'm on them. So uh, you can come and uh, watch me and, and Steph and some of the other Technovo family get wet. And you're, cu- you're currently in uh, in second place in the league table. A little bit of I was just going to ask. <laughs> I was going to ask who's uh, how's second place? at the moment. So Steph, well, you're, I'm assuming you're first place. I'm third. My cousin's third. storming it. He's so good at that game. Mr. Milk himself. Yeah. Um, he's storming it James in second I'm in third yeah and then uh, other people trickle off one thing I will say Jonesy because again you, you've played with us before uh, many a time in F1 games badly um, yeah but it's even harder this year where something about mm-hmm. the AI balance is all over the place and it's just there's it's almost like there's no sweet spot and um, yeah, right. it's been very hard to get points that is a tough game like I enjoyed playing with you guys but I uh, I was <laughs> it was one of those where you know, like you can see other people progressing and doing better, and then every week you're just like at the back of the pack and doing <laughs> shit. And I was just like, every, every week we're at the back of the pack now. Yeah, every enough. week in, week out, we're at the back. Seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. Yeah, there are literally sometimes there are qualifiers where like we're just like everyone is at least a second off the AI. It's like oh, wow, wow. Yeah. brutal, yeah, it's painful. 
But yeah, it's so a bro- yeah, this is a, this is a great this is a great time to kind of roll into our catch up. Our catch up. Well, I said that weird catch up. Catch up. There you go. I think I said catch up the first time. As what, so, Steph, what else have you been playing um, on your streams apart from uh, Formula One? You're saying you've been playing a bit of Raft. Yeah, Raft has really taken off on the stream. Very, very much enjoyed that. That that started off very slowly, um, and we were just very much collecting the resources out of the ocean, making a little raft and stopping at islands every now and then when they spawned in. And we thought that was it. Um, and it wasn't until we stumbled across um, almost like, it looked like an oil rig, but it was like an oil rig made out of um, like caravans almost. Right. So like a, mm. a false like a, false a Like a gypsy town. campsite on the sea. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Uh, and it wasn't until then that we thought, whoa, this is getting good. This is now getting good. It's like like Waterworld and Lost all rolled into one. I have not even seen any of Raft. I unfortunately haven't seen any of your streams. I'm going to have to start watching them because that sounds kind of mad. So what? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very simplistic game. It's, it's a survival game at heart where you need to provide yourself with food, water. You can grow crops. You can visit different islands. Um, you so you're can, playing against other players, or are there, uh, is it just you and your... Just us. Just Yeah, right. I think it's server server parties of four, I okay. think is the maximum amount of people that can play. It might, might be more, I don't know, but there's four of us that, that started. So that'd be um, so cool if you could like come across other people who've made well, their little raft island. I'm, I'm, right thinking, I'm right in thinking, Steph, you don't steer the raft per se, or do you? Well, we've just got now where you can build like a, a pirate ship wheel. So this massive wheel when uh, you can steer the ship. Um, and that's why we needed the engines on the back right, of the boat right. to be able to steer it. But at first, yeah, you're very much taken by the tide until you get a sail. Um, you, you get ingredients, you can build yourself a sail and then you can at least sort of catch the wind. Uh, and then you can upgrade to the engines like we've just done. We've just done now. It's cool, man. Which is, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it, as I say, it was very slow to start and we were very bored. But yeah, as soon as this thing happened, we were just like, oh, wow, we've got like a sense of direction now. We've got a, a radar that we can find different a- codes around the world and, and key into the radar to get to different points on the map. Yeah, uh, it's great. And I feel cool. like you and the TechnoOvo crew, because I remember like, even after just looking at the last like 12 to 18 months, like I remember you played some No Man's Sky like not that long ago. I yeah. remember you guys were there when Valheim was all kicking off. Yes. I'm right in thinking you played some of The Forest as well at some point. Yeah, finished so, The Forest. So that, like, again, was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. There, but there we go. So what I was going to ask about Raft specifically is, like, how is it sort of stacking up? Because one, one of the things that seems to define all of those games, especially, like, No Man's Sky, um, is that it's around for so long that the content just becomes almost, you know, uh, gigantic in scale. Like, how is the Raft sort of shaping up compared to games that have maybe been around slightly longer or... Um, Raft is definitely, in terms of what you can do, what you can build, the the features within the game, it's a lot smaller than something like No Man's Sky. Right. Okay. No Man's Sky seems so big now and so in-depth that y- you kind of look at that game and think, well, I don't really know what to do because the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no real tutorial and you have to work everything out yourself and you're like, well, I'm just stuck. I'm not going to play anymore. Um, and Valheim, I think, was... Valheim, I think, is almost on par. I watched maybe, a few of your streams with Valheim. Maybe slightly bigger. It looked like yeah. you had a really good time with Valheim. Valheim. Valheim was great because it didn't, again, it didn't really hold your hand as as much as, as 
games usually do with big tutorials. So right. a lot of that was working things out. Um, but yeah, I thought Valheim, Valheim was great. For the size of the studio that actually created it, it was like 11 members of staff or something mental like that. That's I can't remember what the studio was called. But uh, but yeah, for a game like that to come out to have I don't know, whatever, how many 500 million downloads or whatever stupid number that they got out the gate to be able to now just release their first update, their first big update. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. I can't imagine and what it's an enjoyable game brain. as well. Like if you're if you're a small studio that make a game like that, and then you think you know you hope you're going to have success, but then to see that many mm. downloads and just to be like absolutely blown away by it must be pretty yeah. incredible. And the pressure, yeah. like yeah, to to find that extra oomph and like have those ideas that you might not have. For know, sure, considered. yeah, absolutely. I um, think I think in a world where um, big companies like, for example, Microsoft, that just seems to, and even EA, just seems to snap up everyone in existence. When, when you come out of the gates as an indie studio, you manage to just absolutely smash sales. So you don't need yeah. the financial backing of a giant company like Microsoft or EA or, or Ubisoft or Respawn, oh. whoever. So I think that in, in itself is a massive achievement. Yeah. yeah but then Microsoft sure. will snap them up and they'll pay untold amounts of money to buy this small studio to get the game underneath, yeah. underneath the Microsoft, wouldn't they? But then you know, then you've got the security and the health insurance and the, uh, the pension <laughs> plan and and all that good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. which you probably didn't get no. when uh, you probably barely got a steady wage or paid on yeah. time when you're in a small studio. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else that you've been playing that you want to mention? Um, nothing. I've been playing too much on. in depth. Um, you could probably see actually those of people watching on YouTube. I've got a monitor which is the Huawei MateView GT. It's not out yet. You can pre-order it at the moment, but I'm currently testing that. And I've been back to a, a, a nice amount of games I never thought I'd really go back to. Like I played some more Doom Eternal, uh, Destiny 2 I fired up again, um, Rocket League jumped on that. Although it wasn't that long ago, actually, me and you played Jamie on Rocket League, but that was True. wicked. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn played that as well. So Just uh, pushing so, the yeah, monitor but- to, its, to its limits, so to speak. Yeah, pushing the monitor, capturing footage, as that's going to be published on I Sunday, I believe. It's got a Sunday. I can't see Sunday from it. It looks curved from here. Is it? Is it sixteen by nine is. or is it in twenty-one by nine, thirty-four inch with a fifteen hundred R curve? Do you know what you should? Is, one, th- if you, I think you own it, uh, worth hitting up at twenty-one by nine. Death Surrounding. Oh, good that's a good there. shout. And in, in, uh, well, the reason it's fresh in my mind is because. The director's cut on PlayStation Five came out. I think tomorrow comes out. Yeah, and they've done a thing where clearly, you know, Mr. Kojima, in his cinematic ways, wanted there to be an ultra wide version, but the PlayStation Five can't natively output that resolution. No. So it's got an ultra wide toggle on the PS Five that adds black bars to the top and bottom. So you can now oh, play quality. Death Stranding in twenty one by nine, but it automatically puts black bars above and below it's very odd which should scale to that monitor obviously you'll be able to play it like natively but I yeah think, of course yeah, yeah um but weirdly enough if you ran your ps5 into that monitor it wouldn't scale because the ps5 still wouldn't be able to output in that exact resolution right so oh, the weird. ps5 so it's like the ps5 version adds the black bars and so the pc version normal 21 by 9 because it's got 21 by 9 support but the PS5 yeah. version output, like the black bars are a part of the presentation. 
And that's why it's this weird thing where if you watch the Digital Foundry video, because of the black bars, it's rendering less pixels. So the uh, the fidelity mode or the visuals mode for the graphics option with ultra-wide support on runs better than with it off because the black bars eat away at how much it's having uh, to render. Right. So if you have ultra-wide on with the black bars, on a PS5 it now runs at native 4K and uh, solid 60, which is quite nice. Yeah, for sure. That's, That's quite cool, interesting. Man. I'd love to see that game yeah. in like ultra wide. Though. Well, it's on, much on che- it's PC much cheaper version. for us um, than Ghost of Tsushima was, Jonesy. I think it's only five pounds for us to get the director's cut and the PS5 upgrades and stuff. I'm, I'm going to definitely carry on playing that on um, director's cut. Like I, I said, I've said before, like I'm only halfway through. I've still got like, 25 <laughs> hours to go, but it's one of those that 25. I'm... That's more than that's that's less than me. Sorry, I've I've definitely got 60. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got I've got a decent chunk still to get through on that game, and I ma- I managed to drag it out as well. Like I spent a long time in each area, um, yeah. which is why I stopped playing it because it was just it was so big and so long that I was like, I have to play some other stuff because I'm just spending forever. Um, yeah, but bloody fantastic! Imagine game. how much faster you'll do it now with a catapult. <laughs> yeah, super fast. I can just catapult myself wherever I want to go. And I'm cool <laughs> yeah, <right> exactly. <laughs> um, Jamie, what have you been playing? I have the main focus for me in the last week or so has been continuing to work my way through Deathloop, um, which you know I, I think I was pretty positive on uh, last time I came I think on. You were, yeah, which I was like three to four hours in. I gotta say, like overall, I am probably more positive on it than I was even at the time. I think it's kind of got this very nice uh, sort of like uh, I was about to use the word loop, ironic, unironically there, but it it is a loop. <laughs> you basically what I'm trying to say is that you start to get a grip of the reason that they created this game in the way they did it. And it's not just for narrative reasons or because they wanted to make a time loop game, even though it does um, still, you know, pass with flying colors on those two fronts. I think it's also because they probably felt or realized there was something inherent to the way they developed some of their immersive Sims in the past, especially you'd have to say Dishonored 1 and 2, that benefited from having players replay certain scenarios or replay certain levels or uh, explore certain locations more fully and get more used to enemy routes and 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 memorizing patterns and so on and so forth. But it wasn't a good natural fit in Dishonored where, like, what are you going to tell someone to do, just play the same level over and over again? You create a loop system, a time loop system, with smaller levels, and you're forced to engage with that stuff in a much more natural way. And right. I feel myself getting better at the game in a way that I didn't expect I would because I found Dishonored and Dishonored 2 so difficult uh, to, to to get my teeth into. Um, and that's been really, really rewarding. And that's what's kind of impressed okay. me most over the last week. Um, you know, the, that's the quite, It's almost genius from them because it's in, in a way it's a game that your enjoyment goes up the more you play it. Yeah. It, because you're, you're having a better experience with the game. It reminds me of, and uh, not a comparison I thought I'd make, but I remember, I remember in the very early days of all-time gaming... Um, I volunteered to gather some footage for Metal Gear Solid Five, the Phantom Pain. And it was after I'd just come off the back of probably spending 60, 70 hours in that game. And I was like, right, I'm going to record some footage. So for the sake of the channel, I'm just going to do some like stealth encounters. I'm going to go up to camps and do some stuff. And I was playing like one of those fucking cracked like elite YouTuber <laughs> guys where I would go up to places where I knew where everyone was. I was so familiar with my loadout, all my weapons, the range, who would and wouldn't see me at certain points, what didn't didn't make noise, how to distract people, how to time. And so it was almost like I was running through a scripted sequence. And Deathloop allows you to grow your way into that feeling. Where now like right. I feel 
much more in control of what I'm doing. And it makes the game a little bit too easy at times. I will say that much. Where now I've got like my super powered up Nexus and like I know that if I go to Updam in the afternoon in at noon and I don't prevent the uh, fireworks factory from blowing up, then there's gonna be nine people outside and I can Nexus them all at once and I've got a silenced pistol with three perks in it that just increase the accuracy and the distance that I can shoot people from and they all die at once and then the entire area is clear and I'm just running around. Um <laughs> So I guess it's a double edged sword, but net positive. Okay, nice. have you been raided yet? I'm, I'm not sure what it's actually called, invaded. Uh, yeah, invaded, I guess. Um, so I play on single-player mode, which means I get invaded oh, by... you wuss! AI. You wuss! I know, you I'm, did. A, I'm a coward, I'm a coward. <laughs> I, I don't want someone better than me ruining my game. Like, the AI Juliana is enough of a bitch. <laughs> I got inv- I've, I've been invaded once, and um, I was in... I can't remember which map it was in, but it was in, like, a herbal cafe... Upstairs in a herbal cafe, there's a balcony. You look over into the like a small courtyard out the courtyard out the back. It's where the fun fair is. It looks like a fun fair. Fristad Rock, I guess. I don't That's know. it. Yeah, yeah. And the guy came running out, and he just stopped to have a look around. And I'd hit him, shot him in the back so many times and killed him. It was such a good feeling knowing that it was a human player. <laughs> the, the extra that tried to ruin my game, but I ruined them. Have you? Have you nice. done? Have you invaded other people's games yet? I invaded one person's game and they wouldn't come out of the entrance because I was standing there waiting for <laughs> them to come out. <laughs> so does that mean you can't go and get them? Yeah. yeah there's so a, there's a door that left. the player has to open that's got a little window in it at the beginning because you come out of the tunnels and that's right. like a, yeah. you, you coming out of the loading screen. That's funny, man. What, yeah, so they so just stayed in there until you left? Yeah, because they didn't want to die. Because <laughs> yeah, they, they can lose their stuff. They get if they lives, die too many right? times, they... Won. Come on! Man. I only get one, but they get three. Yeah, they should. But yeah, they just didn't come out, so I just left. It is. Left it is. Game. It is daunting. Like when the most threatening thing to your progress in a game that has roguelike elements is another player in like a, yeah. potentially an FPS deathmatch. Like that's yeah. an intimidating and scary prospect. So yeah. I've been yeah. a coward so far. I fully, uh, fully admit that. <laughs> is it so? But if you if you take out Juliana, is it Juliana? Is that her name? Yeah. That's it, yeah. If you take out Juliana in that loop, she you can't then get invaded again, right? Because she's one of the A. No, yeah. uh, she, no, she. I think she can come back multiple times in a loop. Like oh. I don't, I'm, I haven't finished the game yet, so I can't confirm it. But my understanding is that killing Juliana during an invasion is not the same as killing Juliana in a narrative sense. Oh, that's weird. I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more. T- there's a there's a lot going on in the narrative of this game that um, is sort of like tucked away beneath the surface, um, right? Without going into too much detail, I'll, I'll you know what I'll be able to report back this time next week with confirmation. Um, <sighs> nice. Are you close to finishing? Yes, uh, to the point where like, and this is actually one one criticism that I start to leverage at the game, um, and it's 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 a borderline criticism because it's a, more criticism of the way I ended up playing the game. But I would have, wouldn't have minded with hindsight the game being a little bit more strong armed with me in terms of pre- preventing me from doing this, which was mm-hmm. that the game has a very hands on introduction tutorial and stuff. You would have kind of felt that in the first two to three hours, where it really yeah. wants you to like. There's no point in exploring until no. like you can infuse stuff because <laughs> no. otherwise you're just picking up shit you're going to lose um, whether yeah. you want to or not. Um, and then the game does open up, and then you can infuse and you can go anywhere at any time. And my 
eyes lit up and I was like, guns, good guns, powers, uh, uh, power upgrades. And I went and did all of that shit and I was killing loads of people and doing random shit. And there's a target that most people will kill either first or second, I think, who um, you go and there's a sort of a fun environment where they hang out that you can kind of kill them in. Um, And you sort of like noodle around their little area where they hide and you find a bit of information that leads you to be uh, the first clue you get of like, okay, here's an example of how two people are going to end up in the same place at the same time. Concrete evidence of how that's going to like the the breadcrumb trail beginning to form. And I interpreted that as like, oh, this game is basically going to be kill each target once, explore their area, find a clue and then put it all together. And it could be quite short. Turns out there's a lot more kind of like, find something here to go and do something there to then go back here to then go back there to then go back there. And so what it really wants you to do is to naturally find this stuff while you're playing so that when you get a clue that's like, oh, this clue gave me a piece of information that I can use in this location in the evening, you're meant to probably go somewhere else that noon and then go a third place that afternoon and then do that thing in the evening. Whereas I went full kind of like game mode, no patience, and was like, well, I'm just going to skip time to the plate to the time and the place where I can do the objective. And like... The easiest example I can think of that, if you'll indulge me in a little story, is um, I basically was in a starter area uh, called Updam. It's like the first place you really explore uh, in the morning. And I found a building, and the building had a terminal in it. I was reading the messages, and two people were chatting. And someone, one person told the other person, I'm going to give you a passcode. I'm going to message, message it to you later on. Um, and so my thing was like, okay, come back here at noon. So I left, come back at noon go to the place, the place, the building where the terminal was in has blown up. So it's like, oh, um, you can't do that anymore. So again, being impatient, I time skip to morning the next day, go back to the place, find the thing that made it blow up, stop it blowing up, go back, time forward to noon, go back there now. It didn't blow up because I stopped it blowing up. Go to the terminal, get the passcode. The passcode is for a container that's in a separate place, a second place. That, uh, so I go there immediately afterwards. I go there, I go to the container, I use the passcode. The passcode opens the container. The container has a computer in it. The computer gives me multiple choices, only one of which is correct, and I need to go to another place to find the information that will tell me what the correct thing to put in the computer is. Now, I think what they wanted to happen was you just kind of naturally were doing loops and exploring the way you wanted to and killing visionaries and powering up and finding these things as you went. But because I powered up first and wanted to do the story second, I, for example, ended up loading into the exact same level four times to get one four-digit passcode because that's (laughs) the way the game is structured. Yeah. Right, so you kind of you were trying to game the game, so you could uh, do it in a in sort of yeah. a quicker way for you. And like, I, I wish I wish it. I knew that. Like, I wish I knew with hindsight. Like, yeah, go out, like, go for weapons or go for powers, but like, don't be afraid to constantly <clears throat> pro- be progressing leads because some of them are probably longer than you think, and some of them are more like loopy in terms of locations and time zones than you might think. Right. You know, that kind like of if, you, sense. if you've just done something in more in, in the in the noon, and your next objective is to be there again in morning. Don't skip the afternoon and the evening. Use that afternoon and the evening to go to a place you've never been before and explore other stuff and find more clues so you're progressing everything at the same time, not yep. getting like tunnel vision like I did. So it's like a mixture of a criticism of structure but also a criticism of me because I'm humble <laughs> um, and I can see my own flaws for what they are. I'm so, I'm so tempted to play it. Like, I really am. Like, I, other since... Um, 
you were saying about playing it, someone else that we know messaged me and was like, you need to play that game, it's really good. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I think it's a, nice, it's a nice puzzle game. Yeah. Right. Could I potentially not, make it, life easier for you, though? Sure. It'll be on Game Pass next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, though, that I, I don't know. I feel like if I wait, I might not play it. But then, to be fair, I'm, I've got so much to play at the moment. I've got too much on, so maybe maybe it's better to wait a year and then play on Game Pass. Well, Jonesy, you've just said you're going to be jumping back into Death Stranded, so you've got time. You've got yeah. time to kill <laughs> before Games Pass next I'm year. I'm just looking That's at the, all the games that Jonesy played in the last seven days, and I think he's got time for a bit of Death Loop in there somewhere. I do always <laughs> forgot when I was when I was writing in like what I've played. I I'd forgot a few of them, but yeah, I should uh, I should absolutely mention. Um, Jamie's what else have you been playing? You been playing anything? Else? I mean, I, I've been playing a little bit of FIFA 22, but I, there's not much to be said about FIFA, especially is that out? It's I it's, thought it was out October. No, it's coming out like at the end of this week and the slash next week. But it's in the stage where if you have EA Play, you can start the uh, timed uh, what's it trial. Which is uh, just a timed version of the full game, and then if you've got it on, uh, if you've got EA Play, yeah, that means you've got it on PC, right? No, EA plays on PlayStation now. But can you still use EA Play on PC? I know they're separate memberships. Oh. Plus, I am definitely not buying the PC port of FIFA this year because they've uh, they've uh, fucking uh, kicked it to the curb. Haven't you seen? No. The PC this year, the PC version of FIFA is not the next gen version. It's like the uh fucking old version. Oh, I see. You know how they do that sometimes no, with like handheld versions where like the Switch version yes. is like the same as the th- PS3 version. Right. This is the year oh, right. where they're, they're for whatever reason like the PC is being left behind and is getting like the it does not getting any of the like engine upgrades. You know all the stuff they're talking about like Hyper Motion Plus or whatever it's called. Yes. Like that stuff's all PS5 and Xbox One, Xbox Series X mm. exclusive. So I, I am not, I'm kind not of, buying the PC version this year. I wonder if there's some kind of console exclusivity deal that's been made somewhere along the line between. Yeah, maybe. Although maybe. PC, uh, um, placed so Sony and Microsoft with EA saying, "Give us the new ones first. We need to sell more consoles." Yeah, maybe. interesting. Okay, I was never. I was, never I was, was going to suggest let's start a team. But, yeah, if you want, if you want to get a PS5, you're more than welcome to join our uh, profiles team. <laughs> Is it not got crossplay? That's not going to happen. Oh no, because you can't crossplay. <laughs> it got cro- it's not on it. No, crossplay, EA Play, crossplay. If it's not the same thing, I don't think anyway. there's any crossplay. <sighs> there certainly wasn't this year, because this year there wasn't even PS4, PS5 crossplay, which was a problem for us because our pro clubs team was split down the middle. PS5, yeah. and PS4. Um, That's mental. They need to sort that out. That's a, yeah. that is a big thing for 2022. Gaming industry is to sort out crossplay as just an automatic feature. But the, the fucked up yeah. thing for FIFA is like, just as Pez felt like it was building a few years worth of momentum to challenge it, at least on the gameplay front, now Pez has shit the bed as well. First of all, by not even being called Pez, but second of all, by being like this weird glorified <laughs> demo that becomes a game over the course of a year. Like, Isn't it free to play though? It's a free to play game, but they've basically said yeah, that the fine. launch version. They get away with but they've admitted, or they've said, admitted is a weird way of phrasing it, but they've said that the version of eFootball that will be there at launch, the free to play version that will be there at launch, is not the finished game to the point where it won't even have all the animations like in it yet. Like, what? That's just that's literally early access and it's free. So <laughs> yeah. they're like, "What are you going to complain about?" Like, that's, that's you what can't complain. Done. You haven't given us any money. They, they want to start making money off of it before it's ready, and rather than yeah. finish it, they're just like, "We'll just put it out." 
what can yeah. they say? But Crazy shit. Go. That's the thing, yeah. Um, so, but uh, I have nothing really to report on the gameplay side of FIFA other than, uh, yes, there are new animations. Yes, if you play hundreds of hours of FIFA every year, you will every now and then go, oh, I haven't seen that one before. But also, <laughs> after an hour or two of playing it, you will stop realising that there are that many new animations. And as a career as a career mode player, there's not that much to this for me. So just another another year, another FIFA, in short. It's just it's just like player packs at this point, isn't it? It's just updating the roster, really, well, of who, yeah. who's playing. For, for, for me, for, yeah, for me, yeah. So Because I, I do this, I do the thing where basically you're like the manager of a club in an offline game mode, no microtransactions. Um, and the big new feature for that is you can create your own club. But um, I find that to be kind of like a one-time thing before it loses interest. So I made... Right. I've just said where I lived. I see. Um, and, um, and kind of did that for a bit. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I've done the one new thing that they spent a year making. And now it's very similar to last year's game. So... But every year you buy the new one. 70 yeah. quid. 70 quid when you could have just played FIFA 21. It's true. But then you know <laughs> in the back of your mind the whole time that you're playing FIFA 21. That's, that's, why, they're, so that's why they're probably actually, it's actually clever to not do the crossplay and not let you play the previous versions and not let you play PS5 to PS4 is because they're like, no, we need to make them need to get every new thing we put out. Oh, we can't no. possibly... Um, exactly, yeah. That's, that's I, I, I have a theory that like, if you were to make a, uh, a graph, I'd say like the relationship between people who say, oh, just stop buying FIFA and stop supporting FIFA, it's just a, ro- a roster update, and those uh, is like inversely proportional with those who buy the game. Like I think the people mm, yeah. who complain about it online always buy it, and they they yeah. hate themselves, and that's why they complain, <laughs> and they can't practice what they preach. That's probably true. It'll be absolutely true. Um, well, I've been playing a whole load of games this week, so I'm going to rattle through them because I don't want to take forever. We'll get on to the um, other news stories we're talking about. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to start off with is um, I played a bit of Predator Hunting Grounds because um, I actually live streamed that with um, the Just Interesting Boys. I was playing with Martin and Alex over at their um, Twitch channel. Um, I think they're just Twitch forward slash Just Interesting, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. We played uh, the because it's on, so it's on play, uh, PlayStation Plus. It was free um, for PlayStation Plus members this month. Um, hadn't played it before. Um, I can't remember actually when it came out. It must be like a few years old now, obviously. But no, it's not that old. Is it not that old? A year? Is it 2019? Maybe that sound about maybe right. Maybe two. Should we fact yeah. check it? Predator hunting grounds. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a let's have a check. I'm saying 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That feel. That game feels older than it is. <laughs> dated it like already. That. It feels dated. Um, Yikes. But. I actually had a pretty good time with it. Like playing with those guys um, and always playing with mates always makes games feel better, always makes it sort of more enjoyable experience. But there was definitely um, the nostalgia thing from the Predator uh, movies as well. Like they've they've really done a good job of including things that people who like that, you know, the, the first two films anyway will will appreciate. Um, so it's things like the the Audio, the noise they've used and the fact like what you can do like cover yourself in mud so that you can't be seen on the heat vision um, and playing as the Predator was so much fun like I did enjoy the Predator because you can sort of jump from around on trees and shoot people with your shoulder mounted cannon and stuff the Marines like the controls as a first person shooter it is trash like it does not feel good <laughs> um, 
but I suppose you could I suppose you could say it's serviceable, like it works in that sense. Um it does have this interesting setup that I didn't realise it did, whereby you actually have to sort of complete a mission as the Marines. You're there to complete a mission and the Predator happens to come stumble upon you and, and try and take you out. And you can win by completing your mission. But the AI is terrible. Like the, the AI enemies that are trying to stop you, like the, the locals who are trying to shoot you, they're crap. You, they just sort of disappear and <laughs> pop in and out of existence and just but like spawn right in front of you. It's Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But as a free game on PlayStation Plus, it was fine. I'm glad I didn't... <laughs> pay for it when it, it came out it looked rough i watched you and the boys play. <laughs> it did not look good it was like it was fun it was genuinely fun to play like i said as it got slammed as well didn't it when oh, it was released yeah if it's, i remember it's, it's not good it's not a good game like i'm not going to version game. has a metacritic score of 56 oh but so <laughs> i thought i would never play it again I was like, I played it on stream. It was fun playing with them. I'm never going to stream again. After we finished, I was about to shut my PlayStation off and I was like, do you know what? Let me play one, one more, more match <laughs> as the Predator. And so I did. And that was that was fun because they were rubbish. And I literally decimated their entire team in about 10 minutes and then just went to bed. So that was fun. And I haven't played it since. Um, I think the, the, the biggest shame with games like that, um, that, that universe, you know, the, the Aliens games and predator is that none of them have ever matched alien versus predator 2 which probably came out now in something mental like 1998 no, that, that game yeah. was awesome it was that was so yeah. good and none of them have matched but even the tr- new fire team elite i think if you tried to go back matched. now and you tried to play alien versus predator 2 i think you would I think gaming has moved on so far. It's actually the state yeah. of gaming, which is the problem. <laughs> it's like back in the... Because I used to I used to play the Terminator 2 game sort of around the... Uh, just before that came out. And that yeah. was like a side-scrolling arcade-style, you know, point-and-click game on the PC. And, and I was like, this is great. So I think if you could actually see... I think now that's the issue, is that it's so much harder to produce games um, that yeah. fit and feel. But I would say you leaded, you've led me on nicely to another game I've played, um, which is Aliens Fireteam Elite, which I picked up um, a few days ago. And that is actually... It, it's a much more solid experience than Predator Hunting Grounds as like a cash-in on an old um, you know, IP. The, the way that they've very- incorporated things like the audio from the original game, the feel of the fire of the Marines, the way that the aliens move, the way that the game is set up. Like I, I've had so much fun playing it. Like I've played through the first act. I think it's the, the uh, I think it's got five acts that you can play through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can sort of open up a wave mode. So I've only played the first act, which is probably a couple of hours. Cause I think I didn't succeed the first time through the first missions. Um, have I, you, I'd, sorry, uh, mate, have you been matchmaking or solo? No, no, matchmaking. So I'm, but I'm at the, it's kind of a weird thing because I did the matchmaking and then I played two the sections of the first act and there was a third one that I need to play through to finish it. But I left and went back to the my base to sort of um, change my loadout and mess around and stuff. And then when I tried to load into the third act, sort of the third part of the first act, it it let me it made me do it solo with a couple of bots, a couple of androids, and it was horrendous. Like trying to play that oh. on solo with a couple of bots was trash. Is it cross yeah, play? the AI is proper horrible. Uh is it cross I'm not sure if it's cross play. I can't actually remember. But I feel, I, like, I, I was, feel like that's an ambitious question, but I'll double check. I was struggling it's, it's to <laughs> Right. I was struggling to find people to play with and I tried a few times to find um real humans to play with. 
Um, so then I started from the beginning of the campaign again, thinking that maybe that we could all play through the whole thing together. So I did it again. And then unfortunately after the second part again, the two people were like, oh, we're off. We're going to go do whatever yeah. else. So then I had to play through the third one with bots again. And again, it was crap. Um, finally managed to do it with some real humans and we smashed through it. We had a great time and it worked much better just because the AI for the bots is not great. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. It's okay, but it's I, not. I'll, I'll make a deal for you or I'll make you an offer. I'll yeah. play through that game with you on one condition. Yeah. You buy it for me. <laughs> what is it? Thirty quid? How much is it? I don't know how much it is. Maybe I might. Do. Did you buy it on your PS Five? Don't, 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 don't no, buy no, no, my friendship, Gen Z. You bought it on PC. Yeah, PC. Oh, you bought it on PC. Gen Z, I'll play yeah. with you, mate. How much Lovely. you got? Yeah, I've finished it. Oh, Steph, <laughs> Steph's dad is Gabe Newell. He owns every game on Steam. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course he does. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I finished it. It's oh, quality. I, no, yeah, definitely. I'll play for it with you, mate. That'd uh, be great. But I know oh, I love yeah, it. Now, now I now I feel like I need to buy it. You do. You're gonna get left, you gonna get get left behind, Jamie. I don't <laughs> want to be left behind. I've got, guys, I want to be. I want to have fun. Let, but the, me, the let, way, me, like, let me do the fun. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, like it's the way they do, like the aliens coming out of the vents. Um, the sounds mm. of the guns is just wicked. Like I've, I, and as a massive aliens fan of like the original movies and even some of the later, like um, you know, AVP sort of movies and stuff, which haven't been too bad. I like that whole thing. I like all of that stuff. And yeah, getting to play through that was, was pretty sick. I was, t- I'm tempted to, um, I haven't actually looked yet, but I wonder if they do, or do they do like DLC for characters and stuff? Can you be like Vasquez or anything? Like that? Oh, I'm, I'm no, literally, I seen that. I'm literally opening up the steam store page right now. So I can tell you in a second, but, uh, you can dress to... up as Vasquez, but I don't know if you can actually oh, be okay. Vasquez. So the game is 35 pounds. The DLC, there is the Endeavor veteran pack, which has, Heirloom standoff skins, shotgun, the, a ballistic helmet. Yeah, that's a bunch of skins and uh, and uh, uh, emotes. There's the Wayu armory pack and the hardened marine pack. I don't know if like any of the characters you like are in there, but one of I them might, has I the chest burster joke emote. Oh, okay, yeah, that I've, got, I've cool. got that. Have you? <laughs> Steph, they, unsurprisingly, they just, owns nailed. all three I've bits of RPG uh, of DLC, <laughs> and the and the best one, the the the, uh, the biggest Easter egg is the uh, look into my eye emote. Nice. What's the? I don't know what that is. It's a little Britain. It's reference. when um, when oh, the uh, no, no, Colonel I'm joking. is. Uh, I'm, joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I was gonna say that'd be he's, weird. He's walking up and down when they all wake up, and he's like, "Another day in the Marines is like a day in the farm." <laughs> oh, right. And then and then Hudson says. Oh please, sir! Can you go and get my slippers? He just like look into my eye, and that's all he says. <laughs> that's, that's like that's like um, the um, not like this line from the Matrix, which is it was probably so innocuous when they were making it, but it's so odd and stand up so much. Like, <laughs> yeah, look that's, into my eye. <laughs> that's what that's what these games need. Like that was all the only good parts about the Predator Hunting Grounds was the. Hark back to the movies, and it was a pretty yeah. shitty game. This has all of that, but it's also a decent game. It's, it's such a cool wave uh, shooter. Like I had so much fun mm-hmm. playing, it. and the weapons as well. Like getting the flamethrower, getting all like the um, the pulse rifles, and getting that those heavy smart guns that you sort of mounted. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is sick. Like I just want to, pl- I, I just want to play it more. I do have to ask you one question then, kind of to cross a similar bridge that we had to cross in the end with Back for Blood. Um, how do you come to terms with the fact that Aliens Fighting really is basically a Left 4 Dead game and you don't like Left 4 Dead? 
But my issues with Left 4 Dead wasn't was actually not the game. Like it wasn't the style of game. I have no problem with that sort of game. I think they're cool. My problem with Left 4 Dead was I didn't like like the animations. I didn't like how they uh, they were just like almost like a homogenous mass of bad animation. And it didn't feel like you were shooting zombies. It felt like that they were just like clipping through each other and constantly. And it didn't like it. I thought it was a badly made game. But I have enjoyed many of uh, the Left 4 Dead rip-off games or, you know, games that have come since right. then. Like I've a got lot good more news for you, Jonesy, because there's 300 still coming to, to, to come out in the next <laughs> <Yeah>. two years. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's not to say that like, Left 4 I don't mean Left 4 Dead was a bad game. A lot of people love that game. I totally get it. But for me, it, it lacked something. I, I wasn't that into it. Um, but you know what else I've played? We're going to touch on this a bit later, but THQ Nordic were cele- um, celebrating their 10th anniversary and they had a little thing on Xbox Game Pass that popped up. So I played some Desperados 3 because it was like, hey, play this cool game. And I've never played a game like Desperados 3 before and I thought it looked quite cool. It's like a um, real-time action strategy game, like top-down isometric thing set in a uh, the Wild West. And I've actually been quite enjoying it. Like it's a pretty, um, it's got an interesting style to it it's an interesting setup so i think i'm going to play through a bit more of that very nice um you're going to have a real tough time when you go back to work like next week aren't you going from and then i <laughs> 60 more games zero yeah <laughs> yeah but it's going to be brutal uh i won't have a problem though playing any more of um call of duty vanguard the alpha because it was crap so i um it was, fi- it was totally fine that was my problem with it it was just totally fine. It felt like any other Call of Duty multiplayer that I've played. It was yeah, uninspired. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, you talked about it before. I know you were saying, like, oh, it's got some, like, cool additional stuff. Like, the shooting through the wood, the going through all of that, it was, it, by three minutes in, it was exactly the same as every other Call of Duty game multiplayer that I've played. And, I was, and it was doing nothing for me. It felt dated in some respects. Like, the graphics and stuff. And... The gunplay, like it didn't I, I like think it pushed the anything. The graphics are fantastic. Do you? I, maybe it was just me, them, but I looked. I was looked at that and I thought, like, they have not done a very good job of sorting this, of, of making this look like a next gen title. I, I felt quite uninspired by it. Maybe it was the design, the level design and stuff, just felt very maybe kind of bland. Um, I've, not, I've not touched it. That's one game that I'll probably have to purchase. So it's a it's a bit of a ooh, contentious do I, do one. I, do See, I purchase purchase a game? <laughs> I will get it for the single player. That's the I like. You know, I'm quite fond of the Call of Duty single player campaigns, but the multiplayer just is, does nothing for me at all. I should say, I should have said that specifically. I'm talking about multiplayer because that's what the the alpha stuff or whatever you could play was. Um, yeah, but that's it. That is what I have been playing. Can I give you um, one week? bit of trivia, Jonesy? That I looked up while you were t- stumbled across. I should say while you were talking, and I want to get your gut reaction. So oh, yeah, go for it. Going back to uh, Predator Hunting Grounds, what would you say was the inferior portion of that game? Uh, inferior uh, would have been the the worst part. Is probably going to be the AI. Um, but like to like play, enemies. which portion of the game was was worst? Oh, the Marines for sure. Oh, right, and it's like a first person kind of action, sort of a first person shooter. Kind yeah, of thing, it's, right? a, it's a crap first person shooter. Yeah, yeah interesting little. Um, Excerpt here from Wikipedia. In 2013, Ilphonic, Ilphonic are the developers of Predator Hunting Grounds, was contracted to develop the Star Marine module and the first-person systems for the, for the game Star Citizen. <laughs> the game's developer, oh, no. Cloud Imperium oh, Games, God. planned to integrate these assets into the main game. However, after one year of work, discrepancies in the scales of the stu- two studios' assets were found, making them incompatible. <laughs> 
Ilphonic continued work on Star Citizen, and the work was nearly completed by August 2015. That month, Ilphonic left, laid off six developers, including the ones working on Star Citizen. Do you know what I thought you were going to say, which would have, which I was, I was like, oh no, don't say that. Um, was that they worked on Evolve? <laughs> and that they oh, say, they, 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 they did. Did they? They didn't, they didn't make Evolve, but this store, the 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 basically their um, uh, evolution is like they they. Um, they basically made a like a weird uh, independent game that THQ published called like Nexuiz. I can't really know how to pronounce it. Then they helped with development on Crisis Three and Evolve. And then but after they, Evolve, did they did the, did they do the first person? Does, does it say if they did the first person shooting stuff for Evolve? Because I thought that was quite solid in Evolve. So if they made that, the only they- the <laughs> only thing. So Wikipedia lists, lists Evolve under their supportive development. Um, uh, category and the reference is to a Gama Sutra or Gama Sutra article from when they're hiring um, that presumably mentions it in there. But the, the thing they did right. um, after Evolve and Predator Hunting Grounds was another janky yet kind of like loved um, asymmetric multiplayer game uh, Friday the 13th. That was them as well. Ah, uh, okay. Right. That actually, that actually has gone down quite well. That game. Oh, is it that game? It's yeah. It's the or, one. It's the no. one. I oh, quite like. I think I'm thinking of Death by Daylight or Dead by Daylight. Oh, see, I think that's, I'm that's the that. that's the good confused. that's the good Friday the Thirteenth game that's yeah. got all the licensed characters in it. I thought Friday yes, the Thirteenth. I thought was, I thought was all right. Like I played it was, that. It was, it was right. janky, but it was kind of cool when it all worked. Yeah, yeah. It was just a bit technically uh, all over the place. But um, yes. yeah, Predator Hunting Grounds I think is not anyway. It's not something I'm probably going to dip back into. I just thought that was a funny, <laughs> old, funny observation. That is brutal. Like, come on, man. Don't do To this be fair, to they, they finished work on it six years ago. Clown Imperium could have remade the entire FPS element since then. I always found that really odd that they even had, because they actually had like like first-person shooter, like you could go and do almost like an arena-style thing in, in mm-hmm. Star Citizen, and I always found that odd, bizarre. It's like, that is the going to be the least you know, good part of that game to my mind because it's a game all about flying spaceships. It's a sim. Like, why are you going to yeah. include that element? And it kind of worried me a bit back then. It worries me a little bit more now to hear that they were working <laughs> with Delphonic to try and do it. <laughs> but Star Citizen aside, um, let's move on to uh, someone else who's having some more problems because we're going to talk about Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard, who, um, as I'm sure everyone is aware, have been having you know issue after issue after issue and this week is no different because uh, it was announced that their uh, entertainment chief legal officer claire hart um announced that she had left the company on uh, september 17th so what's that just going back to last weekend um mm-hmm. never good when one of your top lawyers leaves the company you know that's uh, probably not a good sign of it was via a LinkedIn message as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah. She sort of did the typical, um, I've had a great time working here. The company's been through twists and turns and everyone's like, <laughs> wow, that's an understatement. Um, uh, but there's also been some more uh, developments um, at Activision Blizzard as well because uh, this week, they uh, so the Securities and Exchange Commission um, are actually investigating them and I think it was this week that it came out that they have subpoenaed a number of um, former employees and current employees and included it in the former employees is Bobby Kotick. Um, and that is to investigate sort of the mishandling of sexual misconduct claims inside the company. Um, they're also facing uh, another three lawsuits currently. Um, one is for a, 
uh, enabling a culture of harassment. They're also being sued by their investors, effectively for hiding how serious um, all of this stuff going on inside the company was. And the investors are obviously saying that they wouldn't have, or they maybe would have changed how they invested had they known all this stuff was going on and had been um, mishandled. And I'm yeah. And then then Blizzard or Activision will release another Call of Duty, and the investors will be like. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're glad we Thank invested you. when we did because we are now rich because you have sold so many copies of Call of Duty. Did you guys see the yeah. thing where there was like a like the beta when it first came out, like they didn't have Activision's logo at the beginning of it, and then they added it back in after the fact, like once things no, had cooled really? down. Yeah, there were like, and there were like versions of trailers as well, versions of trailers for Vanguard <laughs> that didn't have the Activision name at the beginning. When That's they so bad, because maybe it's the association they didn't want people to think of, you know. Maybe. They, they just <laughs> wanted you to think of uh, Call of Duty. Yeah. But yeah, what, so do you believe all the things that are coming out that people are saying, like, this is the, uh, the death knell? For Activision Blizzard, or is this just a oh, little? Oh no, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's anywhere near the death of Activision Blizzard. I think they're too big. They're too big, and they have too much money. Yeah, it, it's, it's all in the press <laughs> at the moment. They all get swept under the rug. Yeah, they release a new Call of Duty. They release Overwatch Two. Although Overwatch in, in, Two is in the shit as well. Did you see the executive producer who was meant to be like the guy who was going to steer the ship after Jeff Kaplan left? He is now suddenly left as well. So, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Overwatch 2, but that feels like a game that no one wants to play and is in no hurry to come out. <laughs> there is a weird possibility that... Because, um, obviously, we're saying as long as they keep releasing games like Call of Duty, et cetera, et cetera, um, people will... Suddenly, it'll be okay. If they find themselves in a position whereby the fans, in any real capacity, uh, boycott any of the games, then I think that could start to be actually serious for them like it is obviously serious when top level people leave the company but at the end of the day they can just replace those people they can like you said Steph they can kind of sweep it under the rug in the future and they can sort of move on but yeah it doesn't seem like they're in a very good place at all at the moment I think I think when it comes to fans I think it, it applies here the same as it applied or when we discussed it with um, EA Respawn and uh, the fans of Titanfall that there's going to be a very small um, percentage of fans that will think I'm never buying a, a Blizzard Activision game again. Yeah. But the majority of players are still going to go out and buy Call of Duty. They're still going to play the big titles. They're still going to subscribe to their World of Warcraft accounts. Yeah, and they, yeah. they'll almost be like we're saying about the FIFA people. They'll be in, on one tweet, they'll be sort of slamming them and then they'll be buying the games and not even thinking about Yeah, and they'll think, oh yeah, I, I hate myself because I'm supporting this tyranny yeah. of Blizzard Activision. Like, do you remember, it was, it was a few weeks ago we talked about um, the Bioshock Infinite story where Ken Levine talked about how he had to go and talk to sort of like different groups to do like research ahead of Bioshock Infinite. And like he was put in front of like groups of like college kids and, and stuff like that who were all kind of like identified as gamers uh, to try and ask them about stuff and like none of them had heard of Bioshock. And then he ended up using oh, the weird right, salad yeah. cream analogy of like, I eat salad cream every day, but I don't subscribe to salad cream weekly. Um, right. I think Call of Duty is like the boilerplate example of that, like Steph is saying, which is that like the number of people who will buy Call of Duty or at least be interested by Call of Duty at any one time is so much bigger than the amount of people that probably even know that this is going on that it can't yeah. really have a serious impact on sales. With regards to, like, I don't know enough about 
the way these lawsuits work and the reach of like the Securities and Exchange Commission to say how damaging that could be for them as a company. Um, and and but but I also agree with what you kind of just said, which is that like there's probably not a fine big enough to derail a multi-billion dollar company, and there's probably no single person within that company structure um, that's irreplaceable. Certainly not from a creative standpoint, where you know Call of Duty is made by a different studio every three three years, once every three years, with about ten other studios supporting them. Like people are there are people there to make those games. Um, so it's like I don't. I, it's really hard to see this having long term effects. Um, and also, I like think- ga- games are fickle, right? Like we really sure, like yeah. games. We like being excited, and Blizzard can, as Chris has shown us over the years, tug on the heartstrings with some of the bits of intellectual property and the the licenses and the franchises they can draw from. Obviously, a lot of that stuff is already in the works because there is another Diablo coming and there is another Overwatch coming and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. Like, if they made... Let's say they came out, like, they wanted to do a BlizzCon in two years' time, let's say, give them a little bit of time for the heat to cool off, and they came out and said, we're doing Warcraft 4, like RTS Warcraft 4. The volume of people that would be too excited about that to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to this is is, yeah. is, is you know monumental is, difference. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's almost a weird irony in that it almost allows them to because it, the sort of the way that the media coverage portrays it is that they're in trouble, or you know, or there's it's a real big thing going on. But then the reality of the situation, like we'll talk about um, when the story's a bit later on, the amount of money which changes hands when it comes to even small parts of the gaming industry, um, let alone something like Activision Blizzard, is so monumental that you might even get a weird situation whereby the the media side of it makes it seem like a massive big thing. In reality, it's a much smaller impact on the company. But then because of the media impact, when they when they come good again in you know a year, two years' time, when they sort of have an upward swing and they seem to be doing much better, it might even do them... Um, it might even be a benefit to them in the future because then the media swing will be on the up. They didn't really get a hit from the financial side because even if they're fined, even if the lawsuits come off, these things are going to be a drop in the bucket compared to how much money that they have the potential to make from all the games they, they release. You might even find that a couple of years' time, it's not a positive for them, but they're then you know heralded as, oh, Activision Blizzard, the company that really turned it around and really fixed their ways and actually did like a lot better and actually now have a much better structure and they work in a much more you know, um, a positive way. And you might start to see them as a company that other people point at and say they did the right thing, which is, yeah. it, which is definitely something they could do. Like almost yeah. like a, a comeback story, if you like. And, and then, then, it's a, then it's a matter of time before gamers start getting angry at them for doing the right thing, where you get like a rock star situation where the work, uh, the work circumstances and the, uh, the, the way employees were treated at Rockstar was so dreadful that at certain points, like during the development of Red Dead Redemption, the wives were gathering up to make clubs where they went and took mass complaints to Rockstar about how much time their husbands were spending at work and the overtime and the burnout. <laughs> and now Rockstar haven't released a game in one too many years. The clock started ticking and gamers are angry again because actually yeah. we will accept burnout and depression if that means we can get our products. Please take my money. <laughs> yeah. Where is GTA 6? No, absolutely. Where is I GTA I- 6? I'm getting angry that you're not selling me my product Please, please, please shorten the lives of more developers to make it happen sooner. 
Yeah, and but it's terrible. I'm I am no better like than any other gamer out there who's like, where's this? Where's that? Every time E3 rolls around, and you don't see something you're expecting or you really want. It's like, where the hell is it? And then that inevitably a conversation with Jamie was like, dude, do you know how many games that company's making at the moment? I'm like, I don't care. I want what I want. <laughs> yeah. Bring it out now. The so, Titanfall yeah. three developers at Respawn should be sleeping <laughs> under their desks. Yeah, yeah. What do they need to do? Go home? No. They Commute don't. time is coding time. Make them sleep in the office. All they need is those little pods like you have in Japan where you just yeah. slide in, go to sleep, slide well, out, carry on I, st- I remember, I can't remember where I watched it, but there's a documentary about the making of like the first Gran Turismo and literally like uh, Japanese developers who have like a pillow and a duvet in the footwell of their desk. It's fucking depressing. But yeah, that was, man, that, that, that was brutal. Especially in Japan where like that was the culture and it was like, there was no questioning. It was like, cool, d- done for the day. Just going to crawl up under my desk and sleep for four hours. <laughs> I just, I, I've I'd never felt like I've I've never been in a position of like crunch where I felt I had to like that it was expected that you would just work insane hours. Only one time in my life did I ever feel like that. And I also think I was working on the um uh what are they even called? The Europe Music Awards for like MTV. And I worked all night doing like until six in the morning. And I'd worked all day the day, previous day Jesus. and they basically were like um and i was i think i said oh like i've got to go home i'm gonna die i'm gonna like pass out and they said okay but you know you need to be back at work in an hour and a half and i was kind of like i'd be like that I'd, I'd have probably quit <laughs> i was i was like i don't understand what you mean like, i thought that i thought it was a joke like i thought they were actually joking and they weren't joking they were being deadly serious my nah. my longest shift i've done at a job is 27 hours 20 Jesus Christ that's 20, 20, 20, a shift. Hours. Yeah. I mean, yeah it's, it's impossible right yeah I started that was in retail I started a morning shift you have to, we had to do the refit of the store overnight and then actually 9 o'clock came around and the store opened and I didn't leave till like 11 midday I think mine is actually similar <clears throat> where I it was <laughs> it was a weird one it was to make a video around uh, Steph I don't know if you worked here that worked with us at the time but to make a video around the Mortal Kombat 11 like launch party to make like a vlog kind of thing like basically we got invited to the like it was either the launch party of the game or like no it was like the gameplay launch of the game so they booked out this nightclub in London um had a big party like showed the gameplay on a big screen the food and drinks, and then you could go up and play and capture gameplay early. And so we were I like, think I was there. Was was Big Nasty there as well? We played the punching machine. No, so that was when the game was coming out. That was a separate event. Uh, but yeah, that was where Big Nasty was there and that big tall guy who's not as strong as me. Um, <laughs> Jamie broke the machine. And I, and I broke one of those machines that you have to punch to test your strength. Uh, um, this was before that when they were revealing the gameplay. And it was right. a nightclub in... I want to say it was in Camden. I don't really remember. Um, but yeah, because it was like the thing of like, oh, well, we're going to go to this event. We're going to finish this event and have gameplay of this brand new thing at like 11 p.m. that's not embargoed. Like, what do we do? So we made back an agreement where I would come back. <laughs> I would do an overnighter editing it, hand it off to Chris, and then I would go home that morning um, and um, and have the rest of that day to sleep. But I want to say I didn't leave until like eleven thirty. So let's call it a let's call it a twenty six hour day. Those, yeah. I think those ones though feel almost like it's a little bit different when you're working on your own like channel and stuff. Because when we, I mean, when we went to E three, that felt like we did three days nonstop. Like that yeah. was her, that was 
That Hectic. was that was the least, the, the most annoyed I've ever been that the that the fun of a place I was in and the novelty of a place I was in was being disrupted by work. Like that was mad. The amount like the amount we had to edit and work and stream and stuff was was horrendous for yeah. E3. But that felt more. Uh, like we were kind of in control of a horrendous situation, whereas it's. I think it's a bit different if like these yeah. developers go to work and then effectively are told, "No, you don't have any weekends. You will be here for like these hours and etc. etc. etc." Because I think it kind of takes the control away from you, and it just make must make you feel like crap. Especially with these guys, they know that they're working for months. And then, oh, imagine if the game gets delayed that you're working on. For us, it's like, yeah, delay it, get the game finished. For them, it's like, I don't want, I just want this to finish. I yeah. just want this crunch to end. I was telling, I was telling Jonesy, it's not crunch, but it's. I was just telling Jonesy before we started recording that I'm working on a video project at the moment that originally we were hoping to put out on Monday, and we realised Monday was too ambitious, and we so extended it, and now it's at the time of recording, it's Thursday, and the video is going out tomorrow. And so like every so we delayed it and still use the entirety of every day we bought every all the time we bought with the delay. And that's what happens with delays. It's not like you buy yourself an extra six months so you can, you know, spend three months Kick working back. and three months dilly dallying. You buy yourself that time and you use that time mostly still crunching. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And this often you end up doing more as well. You're like, well, we didn't have time to do that, so we yeah. weren't going to do it. But now we do have time to do it because we've just delayed it. So now we're going to add that back into the mix. And you're like, please don't. I don't want to play that game. Yeah, horrible. But let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about something. Jonesy, are there any new stories out there that surround developers with great and friendly, family-friendly working environments for people of all ages and genders and, and worldviews and... Uh, just any 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 studios with just zero controversy out there that are making any cool projects. I need to like. There, I need something funny to bring up my day. It's funny you ask, Jamie, because there there is indeed, <laughs> and uh, this is the story that Quantic Dream um, seem. We're not one hundred percent. What would Chris say? A confirmed rumor. Is yeah. it that? I think it's to that level. Confirmed rumor. They seem to be making a Star Wars game. Um, now everyone gets excited when they hear the word Star Wars attached to game. There's, you know, there are billions of them already, but we can never have enough. We always want more. Um, so the initial report uh, is from Jewel Shockers and that have been corroborated by Kotaku. So that's why we say it's a confirmed rumor um, that the developer behind um, Detroit Become Human and Heavy Rain have been working on the project for about eighteen months. So this is not like a they're thinking about doing it; they're actually working on it. And the rumours at the moment are that it is, um, it's going to be potentially an open world uh, Star Wars game. And it is not going to be sort of similar to the games they've made in the past. It's not going to be sort of like quick time event driven, but it is going to be a proper action game and possibly in an open world, which sounds... I'm going to say sounds too good to be true. I'm sure it's not going to be as amazing as it sounds because... That would be too good. The open world Star Wars game always blows my mind because I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to play in that world. I want it to be a sandbox, but... Yeah. Like, it feels like between <clears throat> Battlefront and Jedi Fallen Order and stuff like that, like, the real open world thing that... if It feels like they've cancelled more of those games than they've released in the last 10 years. It feels like the one thing we're missing so far is, like, an open world, preferably third-person, action-adventure Star Wars game that would set the world on fire if done right, but just no one's pulled the trigger yet. I don't know if this is that, but... I think it might do be you, impossible. Do you think that, that, that if they're pulling the trigger on this now, it's 
people haven't pulled the trigger on it yet because it's just such a risk because there are just so many people in the world that love that IP. And if you bodge it, you're not going to live it down. I think it's a star citizen as well. Like the, the game is potentially like an open world Star Wars game. If you if you tie in like flying in space, fighting in, in um, TIE fighters and X-wings, landing on planets, using lightsabers, using blasters, like droids, it's... It's a it's a creating a universe, yeah. which is why I and think no one's actually managed to do it yet. You you wonder on that point, Jonesy, if we end up getting the games we get because it's almost like they start with a blank canvas. They make the observation that you just made. They think to themselves, right, for our sakes and the sake of the game itself, we need to narrow our focus down. And then they end up almost inadvertently ending up on the path towards another linear game because that's just what makes sense. Because yeah. there's just a lot of Star Wars out there. Planets, races, battles, vehicles, weapons, paths, and the type of character you are, whether you're a Jedi or a bounty hunter or what, what have you, like, there's a lot of different routes you can go. I don't know about... I don't, I don't think there needs to be an open-world Star Wars game. There does, man. Would Come you not on. like one in your lifetime? I think playing a, playing a heavy amount of The Old Republic, I know it's not quite an action-adventure game, the, it's got the MMO mechanics, that was that was pretty close to being an open-world Star Wars game. I, I loved Jedi Fallen Order because it had a really good story uh, and it was polished. But then I also, thinking back, looking at things like Jedi Academy and Dark Forces 2 and um, Jedi Outcast, that kind of thing, that they were again very linear, but they were such good games. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed Force Unleashed as well. I liked one and two, um, and like you say, all the uh, Jedi games, Jedi Knight games are fantastic. But I I don't know, man. I love the idea of an open world Star Wars game. It gets I understand it gets insanely tricky because you can't just have an open world. You have to have open worlds, right? You want to be planet hopping. How do you tie that into it? Do you take out the ship element? Do you take out the flying element? Do you make it so that it's a a world hopping open world game whereby you're maybe limited in what you can do so that you almost almost like if you imagine like a GTA as an open world game, if you said, all right, now you can fly spaceships to other planets, that kind of sounds mad. But if you almost had cities on multiple worlds, that I think would be open world enough in the Star Wars universe. I think you could have like a wasn't wasn't there supposed to be like a Bubba Fett open world game where he could travel to different places? Like that's a way you could do that. You could have open worlds um, connected together by I don't know how you traverse those, but you could link them all together. Like I think that's Maybe. a more or doable like, thing. What about like taking it like even stripping it back one step further? Bear with me here. Bit of an elevator pitch. Steph, I need you to chime in as well. Imagine Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. But make it yeah. the game that, let's say, for the sake of argument, the say the game people thought it was going to be, right, as opposed to the game that it ultimately was. You've immediately gone for like make an impossible game. No, I don't think it's that impossible. I don't think it's that impossible. Eight years. If it was, they can do it. Okay, well, just bear with me. Third person perspective, so more like The Witcher Three, um, because I just feel like that's a, I don't know. And I know then what you mean. You need that take in the that, Star Wars take universe. that city that they go to in like the prequels that's like a Blade Runner city with the flying cars and stuff like that. Oh, right, yeah. Coruscant. Coruscant, yeah, sure. Like, so focus mm-hmm. on like an, a large open urban area, like a city from one of the planets uh, that's mm-hmm. slightly more... What, what, what are we talking about then? Like, is that is that something, Steph? 
does that sway you from your we don't need an open world styles game starts <laughs> would you think, like would you remember- like to buy an apartment on Coruscant and uh, and find a stray cat and bring it home and maybe I uh, think if they ever did a pre-order jacket from your wardrobe oh I wouldn't mind a pre-order jacket yeah I see now it's that, would, that would be pretty cool and I wouldn't mind going back to to uh, Gamescom and sitting in a in a dark room looking at a preview either mm. um, but I think if they, if they if they go down that kind of route I would much prefer it to be hub worlds of places that are popular within the Star Wars universe. So as you said, you had Coruscant where you could land and you could run around and you could go to multiple levels of Coruscant. And then if you wanted to, you jump in your ship and you fly over to Tatooine and you land at Mos Eisley and then you got the cantina and all the sand streets there. And then you jump over and you can go and land at, I don't know, Endor, for example, and there are things to do there as well. And just rather than having just one huge open space, it's it's almost very much like um, Tomb, Tomb Raider was quite like, actually, where it was very much bottlenecked. So you're bottlenecked right, right, by, the, yeah. by the flying, but then you open up into this big space. But I'm I'm talking much bigger than... Um, like what, what Tomb Raider offered. I suppose you know what's funny is you could almost, if if you were if you were careful about where in the Star Wars universe you picked the places you could go, mm. they could actually you could actually almost sort you do yourself, you know, a, a massive favor because if you say like you say like Tantooine, right? You'd want to go to Tantooine. You want to be able to go there and maybe you could even do like the pod racing stuff could be there. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you could have a procedurally generated world that you don't really have to mess around with too much because it's mostly desert. Now, hold on, on Jamie, because I know I'm, I'm going to put the two things together. You have your hub where it's it's carefully crafted. It looks really good. It works really well. But then to create the scale of Star Wars, you then, outside of the uh, Tatooine city, you then have procedurally generated, like, desert, whatever, because it doesn't matter. It's it just isn't, a desert. Isn't this Star Citizen? No, because no, because <laughs> Star Citizen. This is, is more No Man's Sky. <laughs> this is more No Man's Sky, I suppose, in some sense. It also I'm, sounds I'm, a bit like um, what's it? Fucking uh, Beyond Good and Evil Two. Weren't they going to do some shit like that? See, that's oh, a good maybe. example because they talked about a few having a few different worlds on that game rather than again just this ridiculously yeah. And, large they, and they were going to use procedural right. generation, weren't they? So but the planets were planets. But the difference yeah. with like Star Citizen or with um, uh, No Man's Sky is they use this, the procedural generation to like make a whole planet. I'm saying you don't make the whole planet. You, you craft a city, like a much smaller city than what you were saying is, you know, um, Coruscant. But you craft a city and then you procedurally generate the world around it so you can still get the feeling of like, I can fly to the, ci- the, the planet and I can interact with it. But you also need to make, I don't even know, like six or seven specific planet locations you can fly to as like Steph was listing off you don't need to make a thousand planets that you can go wherever you want um, and you kind of create the illusion of an open universe kind of world Star Wars world um, it's still going to be too bloody big because then you've got the battle cruisers <laughs> the, the yeah. space fighting because yeah. people are going to want that included as well they're going to want to they're going to want to go to space and they're going to want to own their own Death Star which is where like to go back to Quantic Dream that's where I get a little bit like I think it's cool that Quantic Dream might be given the opportunity to do something else because with Detroit Become Human especially, it became obvious that technically they were making very impressive games and very pretty games, but still the single biggest thing holding them back was David Cage and his writing, his scripts and his ideas. And so like a new idea and a new approach and a new IP for them could be awesome, but like, can they just jump straight into like making like action gameplay? 
from from like a, a, a Detroit or a, or a heavy rain? I don't. I know. don't think so. It's it's. I do. I don't know. We'll see. see, in my mind, if you tell you say to me what is a Quantic Dream Star Wars game, I think it's the complete opposite to like an open world game. It's a massively scripted, yeah. like uh, linear, linear experience. narrative <laughs> of where they craft a story in that universe. It doesn't. Yeah. The open you world play as a young work. Jedi whose brother drowned when you were young <laughs> as well, and uh, you're trying to figure out. Who is killing all the Sith and leaving origami figures uh, on it? <laughs> and to do so, you use a, a high-tech visor given to you by Django Fett that lets you see things in AR. It's given to you by the little the little creature that comes to rescue Han Solo in Episode yeah. Six <laughs> that has a thermal detonator. That's like oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then yeah, you oh, say, and you have to and you have to protect and um and sort of like a like go complete the whole story like accompanying a little child Ewok, um and it turns out they were a robot the whole time. <laughs> spoilers for <laughs> spoilers for Detroit become human, but that little rat is a robot as well. They're all Thanks, they're all I've never, they're all never played that game. Now there's no need to play hey, that game. Hey, guess what, Steph. It basically, do you remember the do you remember the question that, that Blade Runner dared to ask, which is that yeah. like, how can you judge androids if you don't if you can't even tell if the person that that's exactly what the fucking twist of Detroit Become Human is as well. It's like she with this person was an android the whole time. Now you don't really know how you feel about androids. It's, it's but they the problem is with Quantic Dream is I, I don't get me wrong their games I think are very well done, but they're quite clunky as well. Like in the the way they tell the story, they're not yeah. slick. They are very much of a yeah. heavy-handed, clunky kind of but, like. Did you get that point in the story? And you're like, "Yeah, man, I got it. Like, thanks for that. Like, it's, yeah, okay, cool." And then David isn't um. I'm oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and then David Cage becomes so paranoid that you're not going to get it that he motion captures himself into the game and says, "I'm David Cage, and this is me. I'm going to tell you about the story that I have made for you." Like Detroit, because I stopped playing Detroit because it was one of those games where. I enjoyed it for like the first, like I think like half it, I enjoyed it. But then it did get to the point where I'm like, they're really ramming this um, moral dilemma down my throat. Like, can't I just play the game and sort of f- stumble upon the morality in the game rather than it being slammed into my face at every opportunity? No. Androids are people too. Like, okay, I get it, I get it. Calm down. It's like, um, what's that meme? It's from the show, um, uh, it's like, Gar- is it Garth Marenghi's Dark Place Dark or something place. like that? And there's a quote from that show, and it's like something like, "I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards." <laughs> yeah, right. there is there's no subtext; there is only text. If you said to me like heavy, if you said to me like a heavy rain, if you said, "Oh, you know, the guys who made Heavy Rain are making a Star Wars game," I could I I can see how that could be cool. And if you said the guys are making Detroit Become Human are making a Star Wars game, I'm like I can see how that could how that could be cool. Like it, that kind of works. But it's when you say open world action elements multiplayer elements that I've said as well I'm kind of like oh because the action elements the action elements of those games hmm interesting that's going to be interesting interesting is a word for it interesting um, alright should we move on to uh, a little a brief little mention we've got here because there's not really much else we can say about it but EA um, you know the thing EA love to do is they love to buy everything they are you know they're 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 kind of hoarders. They like to collect everything together. And so they've recently... Um, what did you think I said? No, so I, I looked at my phone um, without th- without realising... Spoiler alert, but without realising what... Don't go on Twitter, whatever you do. Don't go on Twitter. 
Oh no! There's a Nintendo Direct happening as we're recording this, and one of the ele- <laughs> one of the elements of the the Direct has made me has got me so I thought I was hallucinating when I was reading it. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre, um, but I want to get your guys' live reaction to it now that I've spoiled it for myself. So don't. Oh look. wow! Okay, I, I'm not going to look. Um, oh, no, it's yeah, it's not it's go, not, it's not, go it's go not crazy. It. It's not like a game you never expected to get a sequel. It's just like something very funny around a project that's coming up. It's kind of like. Oh wow! Okay, that's kind of fascinating. Let's see how that turns out. Oh, okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, so I get this story is the uh, EA have um, bought Playdemic, which is a British game developer who specialise in uh, mobile games. So they are the guys who make Golf Clash, uh, the mobile series, which has millions of players, a massive install base, um, is worth a bloody fortune, uh, and that is why they spent one point four billion dollars buying. Playdemic, a company that you've probably never heard of and a game you might not have ever played if you're anything like me. Um, but given how much money those uh, mobile games can, you know, how much money they can produce, how much profit they can make, I suppose it's, we shouldn't be that surprised that it costs them that much money. What is surprising, and Jamie gave us a nice little uh, juxtapose for this, is that when they bought Codemasters um, EA, they actually only paid $1.2 billion for it and they make F1, a game that... Um, we were talking about earlier because Steph is all over that, playing with Jamie on a Wednesday. Go check it out on Twitch. Um, and they also make Dirt and Grid. So they only, they spent less money on that than they've done on this uh, British mobile developer, which is kind of crazy. Didn't they, didn't they also recently spend another something billion dollars on a basketball game developer as well? Oh, I did. Yeah, I saw they did spend some more money or something. But um, oh, that's another EA mobile spending. game about basketball. Oh, so really? This. <laughs> I think this is they're, they're spending horrific amounts I think of money. They're obviously trying to expand into you know maybe specifically sport, but mobile games specifically, and they're trying to get they, a nice chunk of that change. This calendar year, they have bought Codemasters for one point two billion. Glue Mobile for two point four billion. Yeah, that was it. Glue, oh, mobile. glue. I didn't even see that one. Yeah, they that was the glue. They bought Glue in April. Um, and now Playdemic for, yeah, $1.4 billion. Oh, They also bought a Canadian developer called Metalhead Software, but I, they no value listed, and they don't have a Wikipedia page. So, but, yeah. this is That's maybe... because they're too embarrassed of how little they actually got. <laughs> <laughs> and we bought this studio for 150 well, do quid. Want to, do you want to know how much EA bought Respawn for? And literally, this was a few years ago, different market. But Respawn... 10 billion. 300, a third of a billion, Steph. Respawn, developers of the Titanfall series, Apex Legends, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order cost a fraction. Do you know what? Of, I'm going to say it. Of what the Golf Clash lads are worth. It's immoral. It's absolutely immoral. Mobile games companies are just there to steal your money and leech off of you, and they're not good oh, games, yeah. and they are filth. And then, if, if I could code mobile apps, I will be coding simple shit apps left, right, and centre to sell advertising. I actually, you know what? I actually oh, tweeted about mate. this a while ago because I was so annoyed because I was watching. You know what it was? I was what? No, it was Facebook. Sorry, it wasn't Twitter. I was always getting ads for games that looked okay and like looked quite fun. Um, and then I'd read the comments every time I'd read the comments, and the people would say, "Don't waste your time. The game is nothing like they've they've suggested it is in this." Um, in this video. And it always makes me ask the question, they're going to make a shit ton of money like if they made the game in the video. Just make the goddamn game in the video. Why make a crap game and then make a good video? Yeah. Mm. It's to make sense. Rage Shadow Legends. <laughs> Is that... 
Oh, I've never played Raid. Is Raid actually like, is Raid alright or is it really bad? No, it's pants. Oh, no. It's so bad. But the adverts are always like Steph. clashing swords, a, mythical a, creatures a, doing you, battle. Steph, we've got some committed Raid Shadow Legends players in our community, so uh, careful. You tre- don't, Ooh, don't tread in any so toes. Sorry, sorry uh, Super Show community. You just got blacklisted. I know. Ne- never, never again. Oh, I, I won't be back Nearly a year <laughs> to the day, <laughs> and you'll also uh, never get a sponsorship from Raid Shadow Legends, which is uh, oh, no. that's sorry, a, Raid. If I could, very if, I could <laughs> if I could touch a button and delete like most of the mobile games out there, I would do it. What? Yeah. Most, what? most of them, are, most of them are going to be absolutely crap. If I had the NFT, eighty percent. If I, I had the non fungible token rights to like shitloads of mobile games, <laughs> I own the Buy licensing. Them. I would. Wipe them out of existence. You anyway. absolutely would, and you would be a very rich man if you had that. Don't care. <laughs> and I'd make people's lives better. I'd say, go and play a proper game, you idiot. Stop playing golf. Yeah, but there's nobody. <laughs> that's the thing. They make proper games for mobile, and no one plays them. Apple, I I'd, Apple made a subscription service to incentivize people to play proper mobile games, and no one subscribed to it. Yeah, and stop <laughs> playing mobile games on your phone. <laughs> no one wanted to subscribe, so uh, people wanted to play. No, people I, I'm want not, to play I'm easy gonna, crap games like gonna, Candy Crush I'm not on the say, train. I'm not going to agree with you. I, Seth's right; that is what they want to play. But I don't agree with you, Jonesy, <laughs> that the solution is to stop making phone games. Phone games, in some cases, are phenomenal. I want to think about my I first play. times playing like Florence or Monument Valley. Like those are great games that were well suited to the mobile platform. It's, it, those sorts of games are fine. Like if you've if you've got a game that fits a platform and it works on mobile and it works well, like I totally get that. It's the ones that are just time sinks, which are nothing, and all there are psychological traps so that you force you to replay and replay. And especially the ones that then get you to. Um, all the advertising in the game is for another game and then if you get that game it's just full of advertising yeah, for but another Jonesy, game if I pull, if I pull this stick out then the lava falls on the gold and if the gold melts in the lava then I can't complete the level I have to pull the stick out that makes the water fall in the lava so that the lava disappears then I can pull the gold out safely and if I avoid the minotaur then I'm definitely going to complete the puzzle exactly <laughs> bloody exactly right let's move I don't on know. I'm, I, I don't mind my but actually I want to mention one mobile, one particular mobile game, because it wasn't really linked to a developer, and or like a, one of these big conglomerate companies. It was Flappy Bird, okay. and the guy who earned so much money off of Flappy Bird. Oh my god, it made him so rich. Okay, it Flappy was full Bros. of advertisers, but but stories like that that is just one bloke who wanted to make a game. Okay, he deleted the game afterwards because he got so much hate and lawsuits <laughs> or whatever else came from Nintendo, but still those kind of stories are like, yes, that is awesome. But, I, but I, I, Flappy Bird I don't mind because Flappy Bird is like a dude made a game it was addictive people played it It well, at least when it like I don't know what state it was in by the end of it but it didn't feel like a game that was just trying to squeeze every last penny out of you it was like no it wasn't and, it made its revenue off of pop-up ads like all right. mobile apps do but it didn't have anything like you have to buy 10 gems to unlock this particular thing to move on to the next level I, I didn't like give it to Angry Birds like the first iteration of Angry Birds was a great mobile game I loved that I thought yeah. it was great it didn't ram it down through. it was a cool thing it's, it's the more modern like mobile games that um, specifically they've got a formula. you know they have got a formula and they're horrible they're trash yeah um, but there are some good ones out there so I, you know I won't delete all of them if I get mm-hmm. the I, th- I think mobile phone games like that will end up will end up becoming obsolete once 
internet connections become much faster, much cheaper, and you can start playing things like, um, I can't remember what it's called, xCloud. xCloud? Right, yeah, yeah. Right, whatever um, you want, uh, wherever you want, kind of thing. Xbox streaming service, yeah, that kind of thing. I, I think the uh, internet signals aren't there Steph, to, so, to make them viable game. Is, is sorry, is, is this your PSA? Of you, are you telling everyone to download the Google Stadia app? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Have you been? Oh, paid? I don't know. Actually, do you, do you get anything out of uh, downloading Google Stadia apps? Are any of your followers? Uh, yeah, we've, we've got an affiliate link Mega for Google fans. Stadia. Every time someone signs up, we get 5p and a free copy of Farming Simulator 2019. <laughs> <laughs> go and download it. Everyone go and download it. But no, I think, it, it, I think um, yeah, mobile phone games like your Clash of Clans and Raid and things like that will eventually disappear once streaming services get better. I, do you know what? I can go for that. I, I, hope, I hope you're right. But talking about companies that will probably disappear at some point in the future, a company that hasn't disappeared for at least 10 years, uh, THQ Nordic celebrated their 10th anniversary with a little stream um, last week. Well, that's a weird statement considering whilst they have been around for 10 years, they did at one point change their name to reincorporate the name of a different company that did die very badly <laughs> like over 10 <laughs> years ago. So, Wow, but we're, we're being all positive at this point in the show because there's been too much negativity. Sorry. <laughs> so we'll just blitz through this briefly. Because um, the only reason I really want to talk about this is because Destroy Humans 2 Reprobed has been announced, which um, I'm super psyched for because I loved the first one. I thought it was bloody brilliant. And I replayed it when it uh, came out again and had a great time doing so. Um, this one, this time, reprobed. It's set in the sixties, so you get to probe people flying around with a bunch of hippies talking to you, and uh, the man still trying to get um, shit. What's his name? Oh fuck! I can it's hear the, the voice. Man I can hear the alien's voice as well. The one hey, that the, I sound like Jack Nicholson. I'm, no, I'm thinking of the one who's like his boss, who tells him what to do. Oh. It's like crypto. Crypto, 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 crypto. crypto. Oh, I should remember that, shouldn't I? You should, yeah. <laughs> Cryptocurrency man over there. Um, yeah, crypto's back, and this time he's in the sixties, and he's going to be destroying all the humans again. Um, we saw a bit of gameplay uh, and a cinematic trailer. Looks like they've sort of taken what they did in the first game and they've ramped it up to eleven, and they've added in some like new abilities and some new ways to mess with people, blow stuff up. Um, some of the particle effects from destroying buildings looks on point. Um, it's quite nice as well when you get a remaster like we had, I think it was what, a year ago um, for the original. It's quite nice to then be able to see the development from that to this because it just sort of, it's, it looks very in keeping with the original, but it also looks like they've really taken it to, you know, what's capable on systems these days, which is a, yeah. I'm, and like, I'm looking forward to. The, ver- the environments are much more diverse where I think like the d- Destroy Humans was like about like various parts of America and kind of like right. you're starting kind of like hillbillies and farms and like fucking zapping the brains out of cows and you're going up to like bigger cities and stuff like that. But this one I think goes to like places like uh, their version of like London and San Francisco and even a place that's Russia. based on, yeah, like so all kinds of uh, that environmental variety sounds like a, it also just looks nice and shiny. Like it does, um, yeah. it's going to, it's gonna. There'll, there'll be a peer, native PS5 version by the sounds of things, and that's. That, I'm sure that'll be a pretty looking version of the game for anyone not on PC. So, yeah, it looks it looks pretty sick. Um, they also announced that they're doing Outcast Two, a new beginning. I do not remember Outcast One because it was 22 I've years ago. Of, I've never heard of Outcast no. One. Um, I mean, it looks okay if you like Avatar Cross with Horizon Zero Dawn and. One one thing I was really confused about that game is that they they showed off all of these lush green landscapes, 
And as soon as they kind of hit with some sneaky gameplay, you know, the guy jumped down and he whacks the robot. It, I was just like, it just looks so cartoony right. on this on this green, lush, good-looking bank drop. They did and it. And this Fortnite guy came out with his hammer. <laughs> yeah, like, hammer and a shield. Like, <laughs> yeah, With some cheesy lines as well. I was just like, oh, come on. I do. Be serious. It's weird when they do that because I would have. Is this a game that has any nostalgia that's going to bring people to playing it again? Like I've, I don't, I've never heard of the original, and I'm, you know, it's not something that made me immediately go, oh yeah, that game. So I'm, maybe no. there are, maybe there are people out there who can't wait to get their hands on Outcast <laughs> to a new beginning. Yeah, the original came out. Yeah, in 1999. It was a, it was a PC game. It looks like. Um, mm, I don't even remember it. It. Uh, got a 9 out of 10 from Eurogamer at the time and an 8.6 from GameSpot and an 8.5 from IGN. So it was a okay. very well-received game. Yeah. Um, that In 1999? In 1999, yes. I was 10. I was 6. What's your excuse, Jonesy? <laughs> I, I don't 15. think I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. About 15. Yeah. But again, like, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like, Unless you were like playing a lot of PC games at the time like and maybe playing close attention. I don't know. Yeah, must have. Must Although, have like, I'm reading by. stuff here. It was named uh, Gamespot called it Adventure Game of the Year. So, like, clearly, like, it made a splash. It's just something that kind of like faded into obscurity enough in the years since then that that's so interesting yeah. to me. They've chosen to like maybe it's just that they already own the IP and they like the idea of it. And they were sort of saying like, if we're going to make a game that looks like this, we might as well base it on an IP that already exists. That um, definitely maybe happens, they're right? maybe they're pulling a. Uh, Maybe they're pulling an EA and they're thinking, oh my God, we've got such shit games coming out. What can we What can we do? Like Respawn might do for Titanfall 3 in the future if any of their games flop. <laughs> um, they did also announce um, the same. MX versus ATV Legends, which uh, looks like a lot of fun. Um, you know, everyone loves a bit of off-road madness. So, you know, it looks exactly like what you'd expect. So there you go. I, I literally wrote on my notes... Um, where is it? MXV. Looks like every other MX game out there. Bikes are more exciting than the cars, obviously. Because <laughs> they, <didn't show, laughs> they didn't show much of driving in an ATV in that trailer. <laughs> it was all about being on a bike. <laughs> they, they also showed a couple of other games, like, um, was it the Rome one and a few other things? They're like clicky history <clears> games, <throat> and I didn't even bother writing them down. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was a really Rome. weird stream where like, we were talking about this before we went live, but it's like... They've clearly, like, for example, with their Nickelodeon stuff, they've clearly got things that are, like, super relevant to people's nostalgia, um, and that's, like, hitting a lot of the right buttons. But they've also got things like, yeah, Super Power 3 and Jagged Alliance 3 and uh, Expeditions Rome. And it's like, I'm sure it's for someone, but... Uh, hey, I'm not quite sure know. who. Yeah. Although, you know I, I, wrote, I wrote down for Super Power, uh, probably a menu-based game... <laughs> Great for Bab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very true as well. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what that reminded me of. Is just you'll just be reading menus. That I Kingdom, think you're exactly Kingdom right, Crusader, yeah. or whatever Crusader Kings in Crusader space. Kings and Stellaris was the other one. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the final game they showed off, which was SpongeBob SquarePants: The Cosmic Shake, I just wrote down a game people will pretend to be into, so other people believe they're younger than they are. Wow, that's damning. <laughs> But, I think um, maybe 
maybe it's my age, but like when people talk about SpongeBob, I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. What the fuck? Like, how old are you? And then they go, yeah, you love Sponge. I don't even get the memes, like SpongeBob memes. I'm like, please put them away. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a contrarian at a point like this and make an argument against what you just said, but SpongeBob passed me by as well. Same, I, I wasn't a Nickelodeon kid at all. By a long shot. I was I was a Nickelodeon kid um, growing up, but I was past um, kind of the cartoon stage when I hit Nickelodeon, and it was right. more the live action. Right, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Keenan and Kel and programs like that. When I got to Nickelodeon, I was just like, um, I don't know, like I, I I think I had like a cartoon phase, but then I think I just started watching. There's a, there was a lot of regular TV on at the time that you could just watch even as a kid. Because I specifically remember, based on where I was living, I must have been about four or five, maybe six. And like I would just watch Fort Boyard and um, stare at Melinda <laughs> Messages' tits. Fort Boyard. I think you'd, um, like when I was old enough, uh, when Nickelodeon came out, like I think you had to be so bloody rich to be able to afford it. If I asked my parents in Nickelodeon, they would have laughed in my face. That's so, the thing, yeah. Satellite TV. Yes, go right. No bloody way are we getting satellite TV. They'd be like you'll yeah. you'll make do with Fort Boyard on Channel Four, and you'll like it. <laughs> that was until the, until uh, Murdoch got the checkbook out and bought the rights to the Premier League, and the rest was history. Now football satellite, get with the program. <laughs> I think the real question is where is Melinda Messenger now? I think that's something I'd like um, to know. She's is she still about. Is she alive? T- so she had a weird genetic condition where her tits never actually stopped growing, and eventually no. she um yeah she so she uh, slipped four discs in her back. At once, that's did she really? Yeah, they that's literally that's that's they, true. Ne- they never no they never way. stopped growing. They <laughs> physically never stopped growing. That can't be real, Jonesy. Please don't Google right. that. Of course, it's not. <laughs> I'm mess- I'm googling it right I now. I just imagine Jonesy's Google search. Did Melinda Messenger's tits really never stop growing? Wow, she's fifty. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? looking good for 50? The reason she does look good for 50. The reason I was laughing is because I actually saw someone, I saw something about someone the other day who has that exact condition. Oh, wow, really? So I was like, that could be real. I've heard of someone else having it. So there you go. Televi- here's, her, here's her television listings Euro Trash, Fort Boyard, <laughs> Celebrity Big Brother. Absolutely That's all you smashing need. it. <laughs> she, had, she, she, had a, she had a secret weapon or two uh, that. Uh, <laughs> were key to a TV uh, career such as that one. All of our non-British um, audience now thinking, who the bloody hell is Melinda Messenger? Go look her up. All of the, all of the non-British British listeners are all sitting at their phones and their computers Googling exactly who she is. <laughs> yeah. Melinda Messenger, Eurotrash. Oh, that's all you need right there. <laughs> I've got a feeling that's not going to be the first time you search something like that. Look that up, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be something I'm going to look up today um, well that is it for the news stories uh, Jamie did you want to tell us what the thing that you'd seen from Nintendo I, I did well yeah like so basically a Nintendo Direct was happening alongside uh, this podcast recording kind of like difficult to um, to keep tabs on at the same time because we we had to uh, to get going and um, to start recording um, but there'll be a secret episode coming tomorrow no there won't because after, after <laughs> Jamie and Jonesy stay up till 2 in the morning getting it recorded no because the director's now over <laughs> um, what's the best way of going about this like I can rattle through stuff or, or I can pick out things that look big or I can just tell you the thing that made my eyes widen tell us the thing that made your eyes widen and then we'll yeah. decide if we want to go into any more because we've we've been going for just over two hours now so okay the thing that made my eyes widen is that um, Shigeru Miyamoto 
made a surprise appearance on the Nintendo Direct, which I can see already, like, you're pulling faces, like, oh, what does, um, what is he doing on a Direct? Uh, the answer is he came along to talk about the Super Mario movie that is being made. Um, oh, the, anim- really? the animated Super Mario movie. It has now been confirmed uh, that it is going to release in theaters holiday 2022, releasing December 21st in the North in North America. And this is a part I want your live unfiltered reaction to. Jones, you're not looking it up, are you? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm okay. Not. I just read an amazing... I'm going to have to get, tell you this, get, what I just get, read. Get after. ready to go down a rabbit hole because... Lots of questions to be asked about like a Super Mario movie, especially because it's been made by the Despicable Me slash Minions team. In is com- John Leguizamo in it? We're about to get there. So, but you might be wondering to yourself, like, oh, so are they going to make these characters talk? Like, these characters don't really talk. How are you going to make that funny? Well, they will talk. So, brace yourself for who will we, the they voices will talk. be hearing. Was that even? A oh, question? they'll be talking, all right. And do you know who'll be talking for them? Leading from the front as Mario is Mr. Chris Pratt, oh, aka Star Lord. <laughs> Princess Peach. He's going to fuck his career. Princess Peach will be played by the star of Queen's Gambit, the chess lord herself, Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, okay, yeah, she's she's incredible. The, um, she can do anything. The nas- the nasally guy Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia will be the cheeky brother Luigi. I can kind sense. of see it. Yeah, yeah I can kind of yeah, see it. Get ready to hear the big booming voice of Jack Black as Bowser. That's quality. <laughs> yeah, that is not cool. Keegan Michael Key of Key and Peel fame is playing Toad, apparently. Okay, yeah. Well, um, that's a bit of a weird one, but all right. Yeah. I don't know what who comes to mind when you think of Donkey Kong, but for me, first to top of the list has to be Seth Rogen. Oh, what for Donkey Kong? Oh, Seth Rogen, Donkey have Kong. Of, have you ever heard Donkey Kong speak? Ever? Um, that, has he yeah, spoken no, he, he doesn't speak. He's a, he doesn't the, speak. The closest thing he does is the ooh, ooh, ooh in uh, Smash Bros. It was funny. You said, as soon as you said Donkey Kong, it did make me kind of lean towards somebody like, um, John, is it John C. Riley who plays? Oh, uh, yeah, he plays Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Something like that. Some but, smaller castings. Okay. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson is Kamek. Fred Armisen, who I do recognise, is Cranky Kong, and Sebastian Maniscalco is Spike. Um, and it's been confirmed that Charles Martinet, who is the real life voice of characters like Mario, will have a will be featured in some capacity. Sounds Who's like met Charles Martinet? Well, why the hell isn't Charles Martinet the real voice of Mario? Well, the in thing this is, he is. Movie? Like, he is the only person that's ever voiced Mario ever. Even as Mario has kind of like said yeah. more stuff. So the idea, like, just cast him. The idea of like sitting down to a Mario movie and just out of nowhere like Chris Pratt's voice starts coming out of his mouth like that just made my head go for do a spin when I first read it yeah. like how was Chris Pratt's all, voice going to come all out all of I Mario? can think of is, is Chris, Chris Pratt just going to be reading off lines like oh my god a Luigi we got to go and save a peach <laughs> I was just going to say do you reckon they'll do the Italian accent we got to go accent. and save no, a peach it, it, from, no because that would be Bowser. like that would be fucking like racist racist it would be insensitive it would be culturally insensitive <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it but, but Charles Martinet does it yeah but that's like when um, fucking uh, Hank Azaria did a poo for like 30 years and then <laughs> it took him like probably 10 years too long to be like Probably shouldn't do an Indian accent for millions of people every week. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna retire yeah. that one. Um, Charles Buffett. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I he has to do the Italian accent, surely. 
Otherwise, yeah. it's not Mario, right? He's the Italian plumber. Because then people could come Unless out Unless he's going to have like a Bronx accent. Is it Bronx? Is that where? Is that the, like, oh, the typical? Well, no, because that's where oh, he's from in the uh, the live action movie, right? Is they're all New York guys. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's, right. any, I don't think if there's anything because Mario doesn't exist in the real world, so there's nothing canonically no. that links him to a place like New York. It's just that no. we we all saw that movie with fucking Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. We're like, oh, New York. <laughs> but he's from. Is, he, is Mario <laughs> from? So New, true. Is Mario from New Donk City? Is that canon? I don't know. I don't think he's native to the Mushroom Kingdom. I think he's from somewhere else and travels there. But then again, I don't know. Like, I'm glad that they're if, not going to do. I don't want them to do the New York thing. That would just be. They don't need to do that. That's just weird. Don't don't make him some weird human no, thing. Like, I think you. I think you hire Chris Pratt. Like the the only thing, thing that's reassuring for me somewhat is that like I know Chris Pratt is a guy who reputation for some reason is like kind of like. And again, I say for some reason because I actually don't know. I don't keep up with it. But like some people have gone off him a little bit. But in terms of voice roles, I thought he was very good in that first Lego movie. Um, very likable oh, in the first Lego movie. Yeah, no, I liked him in that as well. I thought he was very good. Um, so he can do fun, light voice work. So we'll see. Thought it's worth, by I, the way, seems like a Let me decent... hold this up. This is, this is a very young me. Hey, there he is. There's me and Charles Martinet. That's cool. That's cool, man. You look. You do look very young there. Jesus Christ! When was that? Let me, I can't see when that was. Uh, Two thousand and seven. I put that on Facebook. So uh, that was what fourteen years ago that I interviewed him. So that was quite a, quite a while ago. But that no, okay, I, Chris Pratt. Like you said, it. I was like, that's awful. But I am a big Chris Pratt fan, and he is. He can do voices, and he was very good in the Lego Movie. Okay. 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 Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, for what it's worth, I guess I know we're not talking about it in full, but it seems like a solid direct. There's one particular title that has been uh, missing for years now that we were wondering if it would return, and, and it did. So, plenty to get stuck into next week for anyone listening and who wants our thoughts on those games. I think the casting for the Mario movie makes more sense than the casting for the Borderlands movie. Hmm. At least the Borderlands movie is just bums on seats. We're going to try and sell as many tickets as possible because this film's going to suck. I genuinely think there was some intent in some of the Borderlands casting to make more physical approximations uh, in the casting as they could between like the 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 acts and the the characters. And I guess like with a with a voice cast, you don't need to. Like it doesn't matter if Chris Pratt looks like Mario or not; it's a voice. I think the weird thing about Mario compared yeah, to Borderlands true. is that like the Borderlands characters in the games talk too much as it is. Mario has the opposite <laughs> problem where no one talks. So like how do you bridge <laughs> yeah. the gap and make them fucking talk in a way that's natural? And again like yeah, why are you yeah. working with the animation studio that revolutionized fucking voiceless characters? Like the minions love them or hate them were a fucking revolution. Like, why do you oh, pick can out? You, a can you imagine if Mario's just like you couldn't have it? There's no way they would do that with Mario. Like, there's no movie if no. they can't talk. How do you how do you get across what's going on in the movie? Like, I, I no said like there's there's way there's ways you can make films with characters that don't talk in the way that we expect them to. And yeah. and literally, Minions was one of them. And this right, is the yeah. team that made Minions. So, so yeah, no, I see what you mean. I see what you're saying. Um, well. 
It's not going to be as good as the Sonic movie because that was great. Now they mention like, nah, Idr- I take it back. It'll be good. Idris Elba's as Knuckles is like similarly like kind of fascinating casting as a lot of what Mario's just done. So, be interesting yeah. to see how it all works out for everyone. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much to um, Steph for joining us this week. Uh, Chris will be yeah, back thanks for having me. next week. You can check Steph out over at Technoovo. Oh, no, I, keep, I keep saying that, just Technoovo on Twitch. Um, uh, check out the YouTube channel, Technoovo as well, for reviews um, and pro- sort of look at technology and stuff that you break stuff down and talk about things as well. So it's not just reviews, is it just reviews? I only ever watch your reviews. I don't really watch anything else. <clears throat> is this reviews that we're branching into... Um well, we say we were branching into, we've branched into uh, tutorials, live streaming right. tutorials on how to set up Twitch in nice, different ways. But uh, it's always my port nice. of call when I want to buy some new technology. One of the first things I do, especially with like monitors and things, is check out your channel and go and see what you're talking about and see what I should be looking at. Because when I want to buy a new monitor, when I want to buy anything techie related, Technovo is where you need to go. So there you go. Mateview GT by Huawei. Coming out, when you say it's coming out, the video for that? Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, to be honest with you. I know it's on pre-order, but I couldn't see a release date on their website. So no, sorry, when's your, video, when's your review one. of it coming out? Oh, Sunday. Sunday. So a couple It'll of weeks. up on the channel on Sunday. See, I don't know what time it's going to be on Sunday, so I'm going to ring that bell for notifications. <laughs> He's always working. He's a consummate professional. Um, yes, you can reach out to us if you want to drop a comment below the YouTube video. You can also uh, send us a message on Twitter, um, at SuperShowPod, uh, or you could join our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash super show you can join the discord for as little as two dollars and you can talk to us directly um and apart from that the only thing left to do is to give you a com something you can put in the comments below the youtube video so we know you made it to the end um any suggestions guys oh damn they drop uh it's what, horrible what about, where, what about where is melinda messenger where is Melinda Messenger? Or, or something about Mario I, I, voices. Or you could do like, I know where, because I know where Melinda Messenger is. She's in that? Fort Boyard, the dwarf cut. Oh, <laughs> full circle. Fort Boyard. Fort Boyard, the dwarf cut. The dwarf cut. There you go. Drop that in the comments to let us know that you've watched the beginning and the Has- end. Uh, by the way, sorry, yeah, hashtag release the dwarf cut on Twitter, please. Let's get it trending. I want to restore the dwarf verse. 16 minutes of blade gold the dwarf cut you need it in your life <laughs> uh, thank you guys remember thank the bit so where much. his hand gets cut off yeah yes and then it starts to grow back and weird wow do you know who else remembers Stephen Dorf Stephen Dorf True Detective season 3 on DVD and Blu-ray now <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Plug in Stephen Dorf um, yeah and we will see you the same time next week thank you very much bye bye, bye.